that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Big Wednesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Maurice, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, and I am, we just figured out exactly the parameters for this. It's a draft, and I am pumped because we're going to start doing this a couple times a year, and we're modeling what we're doing off sort of how recruits are ranked. And we are going to rank the 51 best football players on Ohio State's team right now. And it's just like recruiting rankings get updated a couple times a year. You know, there's been a camp. There's been spring football. We've gathered information. We've gotten tiny little glimpses, but we've heard people talk, right? So that has affected how we view who the best players are. That our list right now isn't the list we would have had in February. And I think we maybe we'll start doing this a couple times a year where if we do it after spring practice, we could do it after camp in August, right before the season starts, maybe do it at the bye week in the middle of the season, then do like a post season one in January or something or in February before spring football starts. We do it three or four times a year and it's our view of the best players. So we're going to draft it to make it fun, but it really is just a ranking. Positions don't matter. Age doesn't matter. It's somewhat predictive. There might, there are going to be some freshmen on this list who have never played college football, but also production does matter. Like if you've done it, you know, like, like we were saying, like Jack Sawyer can't be number one on this list. Even if you, even if you think Jack Sawyer is Lawrence Taylor, right? Because there are too many good established players, but he can be somewhere on this list. Right? So there's no right answer. It's production. It's talent. It's a little bit futuristic, but it's more, what's happening right now, because then when we do this list again in August, guys will jump up, guys will fall down. And just like in recruiting rankings, injuries will hurt you because you can't be evaluated if you're not on the field. So there's some guys that I really like that I wasn't sure what to do with them. And so they're lower than they would be if they were healthy, but it happens in recruiting rankings too. So Nathan, like, is that, is this makes sense? Do you think I've just confused our wonderful listeners or do they know what we're doing here? I don't know if you confuse them or not. I mean, it, 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 this, <laughs> the simple thing is like, we're just drafting the best football players and we don't care about position. Like, I think that's the important thing here. We've, we've done these spring drafts before we did one last year between Steven and I, and then even played it out on a video game when they didn't actually end up having a spring game, but there you're, it's, it's all about strategy, putting together a team. And this is just raw talent. It's just who, who is the, who the best football players on this team right now. And uh, I think that's actually a more useful exercise and a better conversation starter at this point. Does it make you feel good, Stephen, that we get to like rank people like the recruiting services do? We get a little little taste of that. Yeah, that's all. That's what sports are all about. They're about people who don't play sports ranking people who do play sports. That's all. But also, I want to thank Nathan for reminding people how CJ Stroud didn't show up until the second half of our video game simulation. And that's why I ended up losing. But yeah, this is what sports is. People who never played the sport at a certain level talking about and ranking people who do play that sport at a certain level and it being validated. To be fair, if people who didn't play sports didn't rank players who did play sports, players who did play sports would play in front of empty stadiums. So exactly. like I know you that was spoken like a former athlete and also <laughs> as a current journalist. So it's always one of those things that's like, well, you guys don't really know what you're talking about. So, okay, then we just won't care. Good luck being a good athlete in an empty field. That's true. Have fun. So um, they'll, they'll still be good athletes. They'll just have to do it on the side of their real jobs. Right, exactly. So, um, all right, so we're going to do this. I'm going to go first this time. Nathan's going to go second. Steven's going to go third. No snake draft, so we'll just keep rolling through this. And here we go. And if you want to be a texter, we, we almost tried to get the texter involved with this. We will have our text winner who won the Yahoo basketball 
NCAA tournament bracket, they will be on with us for some kind of ranking. It'll be after the spring game. We'll do some kind of cool thing uh, and we'll make sure that they're involved. But if you want to be a texter and you want to get stuff, the spring game's coming Saturday. It's a great day to subscribe to text because we'll be telling you like, what's up? 614-350-3315 if you want to be involved with that. Let's go. I'm up first and I'm taking Garrett Wilson. It's wide receiver one. It is production and anticipating what he will do this season. It's a coin flip in a lot of ways at the top of this, but I just think there's still a little bit more out there for him. And so I did not hesitate a lot. Um, He was my guy, Garrett Wilson one. Does anyone have vehement disagreement with this? I think we know where he was on Steven's list. He was number one on my list as well, actually. I'm just glad you said you did it with no hesitation because I understand that I mean, we're going to have a conversation about Chris Olave and Jeremy Ruckert and the picks coming up here. But, yes, the ceiling is just higher, but also he's in the slot and outside. And those are elements that nobody else on this team has. He's not in the slot very much at the moment. Not right now. We watched practice on uh, – I found, I got to go to practice, and we're going to work that in, that on Monday – um, they had another open practice window. Nathan, was that the longest window that they had so far this season? Um, the, the other, the last one we had was, was similar, similar. time, like about 40 periods. minutes, 45. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Nathan's gone to all of them. Steven had gone previously. I had not gone to one. So I went and like watched Ohio state football players with my own eyeballs on Monday and it was felt it good. Yeah. It felt right. Um, and you know, Garrett Wilson's outside the whole time when they're mm-hmm. when they're doing that and Jackson Smith the jig was in the slot and Chris Olave's outside. So that doesn't mean that they're never going to move around. And listen, even when they go, you know, there are times when you know the 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 Z receiver is actually lined up inside the slot guy or whatever. So it's but you can tell the position that he's playing, they really are giving Jackson Smith the jigba that shot in that more traditional slot role. So anyway, um Garrett Wilson so each as we go through this guys let's just make sure we also say where you had the guy on your list you know we're picking them but we want to make sure we have everybody's input so uh Nathan you're up second with our pick in the Ohio State best player draft you know I think the good news for Ohio State is you could take any one of several guys still here and and feel pretty good about it but I'm I think I'm just going to take Chris Olave I don't think you could take somebody else second do you think there's a real consideration for somebody ahead of Olave? When you, I guess, I mean, just pound for pound football player who does their job at a, I mean, I think you can make a case for the tackles. I wouldn't go. Oh, I don't I, think you could. Nah. I don't think you could. Not at this level. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say it at, at this level. Chris Olave yes. shouldn't be here. That kid should, I mean, I mean, Doug said in his question, that guy should be at an NFL camp right now. Well, so I, he'd be a first rounder. Like first round. Yeah, but I, I mean, you're right. You're right. As far as just, I'm just saying, like, he's not the only NFL guy that's still on this roster. No, no, no. I just think, I think Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are the guys, are the two guys on this team who clearly are in the conversation to be the best nationally at what they mm-hmm. do. I don't know enough about the other you know, every other tackle in the country and that kind of thing. But there's always some really athletic tackles out there. I, I don't, again, maybe by August, that'll, well, this will be, this will change, Nathan, right? Maybe by midseason, it'll change. I don't know that I am thinking of anybody else in this, on this roster as potentially the best in the country at what they do. And that is the way I'm thinking about both Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And Olave was second on my list, and, and that's why I took him. Yeah, we're arguing about, are the agreement of the fact that we all have Chris Olave <laughs> second. 
But you didn't you didn't put him second strong enough, yeah. Nathan. What's wrong with you? All right. So if those two are obvious, this is where I think there are candidates, in my opinion, at three. This is where I did have to think. I put those top two guys pretty quickly, but I did have to think about this. Stephen, who's third? I put Jeremy Ruckert third, regardless of how much he's used or not used. I mean, his talent alone and his what he can do, even if they don't use it, makes him one of the three or four best tight ends in the country. He might not get used like that, but he is one of the, the three or four best tight ends in the country. And also, he is the one, he's one of the few players where if he's not on this roster, Ohio State doesn't have a viable I don't tight care. End. I don't care. I don't care how good your backup is when I'm ranking these guys. Though. Okay, well, all right, fine. Their, their starting tight end is one of the three or four best tight ends in the country, regardless of how much they want to use them or not. Where'd you have record, Nathan? He was fifth on my list, but him and the tackles and some other people are pretty closely clustered together. I, I don't have a problem taking record here by any means. I guess a little high. I, I think I think we have a little bit of proof on some other guys who are more firmly established, I think. In the top echelon, for sure, of best players at their position. I had him sixth. I have kind of like a top seven or eight, and he's definitely in that. But three through eight or so, I I could move guys around. But I, the three guys that I have ahead of him, at least two of them, I was pretty solidly sure that they should be ahead of record. But I'll hear it. I mean, it's, it's not crazy. It's not crazy. I think it's a little overestimation at the moment based on how well other guys have played. Like Ruckert was good last year. I think I have at least two guys on my list who were better, were better at their jobs last year than Jeremy Ruckert was, partly because of opportunity, but I just think they, they were. And so I'll pick fourth now. And one of those guys is Thayer Munford. And that when, again, I, I, I think we should have our minds changed when we go to practice a little bit, right? That's, that's why we're out there. That if you don't, if you go to practice and you just watch everything and think like, ah, oh, I don't know, I'm just going to think what I think. Then it's like, well, why are you there to begin with? Just watching a couple offensive line drills, the difference between, and Nicholas Petit Frere Nathan wasn't there on Monday when we were there. Short-term injury, nothing to worry about. But just watching guys do the offensive line drills and the way Thayer Munford does it and then the way everybody else does it. And he is just in complete control at every second. He knows exactly what he's doing at every moment. He is balanced. He is, has great hand technique. He is rock solid physically. He just is in complete control of what he's doing. And he played at an extremely high level last year. So while I would argue, no, I don't think Thayer Munford should be ahead of Chris Olave. I would argue what Thayer Munford did on the football field so far in his career to me is, you know, some degree more than what Jeremy Ruckert has done or has had the opportunity to do. So I had Munford third on my list, and I'll pick him fourth here. Yeah, I had him third on my list. Um, I, it was it, it, one of the fun things about this exercise is it makes you like put two guys, you know, black and white next to each other, or in black and white next to each other, and be like, okay, Thayer Munford versus Nicholas Petit Frere. Like, how are you separating those guys? And there's other spots on this list where you have to like put two guys of the same position, or sometimes two really good guys of completely different positions, put them side by side, and be like, all right, who? Who, who you got, like who's who comes out ahead of there. And I think with Thayer Munford, I, I hear what you're saying. And that I might have been slightly influenced by the fact that there's a reason they've kept him at left tackle, despite 
the other options that they've had there over the years, including Petit Freire, including Paris Johnson, but just how smooth he is. And you got to remember, I mean, this is his, he's been taking first string reps at that position since fall of his freshman year. So, I mean, this is like five years. He's, he can do this in his sleep. Now these drills, <laughs> these, these spring drills, they are probably child's play to him at this point. So Nathan, and I both had Munford third. Steven, what'd you have Munford? He was fourth on my list. Okay. So I just had Jeremy Ruckert higher, but the other guys three through eight for me are probably going to be all the same, just different order. Okay. All right. So Munford fourth in our draft, Nathan, who's fifth. I'll take Nicholas Petit Frere here. Just again, just uh, uh, someone who was among the very best in the country at their position and someone who I think also, you say, you know, it's going to be somewhat predictive. And I feel like the, the, the level that they played at last year sets them up for something potentially even more special this year. So you had, you're taking NPF fifth. I had him seventh. Um, so I had a, a gap between Munford and NPF a little bit. Um, it, but this is, there's this group. This is a tough group to separate yep. guys right here. And mm-hmm. I think I could change my mind. If I did the list in an hour, I might change my mind. I, I don't think I changed my mind of Thayer Munford at third, but, but I could have NPF as high as fourth. I think on my list potentially. So we're picking them five here. Steven, where'd you have him? I had him fifth. He was fifth on my list. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we all feel good about that. Steven pick number six. Who you got? He's hurt right now, but sometimes in recruiting rankings, you see guys get hurt and it doesn't matter because they're just that good. Jack Sawyer was that way. He tore his MCL and then didn't play football this past year. He's still a top five player in the country. So Haskell Garrett, uh, as of right now, he's the best defensive defensive lineman in that room. Zach Harrison might be ready to pop. Tyreek Smith might be fully healthy and ready to realize his potential, but we've already seen it with Haskell Garrett and he might build on that this year. So even though he's hurt, He's, he's still proven himself to be a top 10 player on this team. Nathan, where'd you have Haskell Garrett? Yeah, he was next on my list. Oh, that's all. Okay. We're going to have, we're doing 50 of these. I don't think we can do 20 minutes on everybody. No, no it's but, just the way you ended it is as if you were getting ready to say something else, but we're doing five seconds on pick 48. Honestly, but, people well, be like, but, this is true. But I agree. I mean, I, I, he was, I thought clearly that needed to be at the top of the defensive list. Yeah, I he's my highest. Is he the highest rated defensive player for everybody? He's he is. I mean, he's an All-American. Yeah, which is there's nobody else on this team that was a first team All-American last year. Right. So I don't want to go only by that because that voting is stupid, but he was really good. I had him fourth overall on my list. So to have him go sixth, I do think I initially did not have him as my top defensive guy as I was thinking about it. Then I was like, what am I doing now? I'm trying to be too predictive and. I'll move another guy up ahead of him later if a guy does what I think he's going to do. But I, I think it would be silly to, to have a, a him ahead, anybody ahead of him right now. So, But I did have Garrett ahead of both Rucker and NPF. But all right, so our first six right now, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jeremy Ruckert, Thayer Munford, Nicholas petit Frere, Haskell Garrett. Pick number seven, and now we're getting a little bit more predictive. Right. Uh, To me, this is sort of a line a little bit on. I don't know that there's anybody else that. And then my top 10 that I'm ranking only on what they've done. Right. I'm doing a little bit guessing what I think they're going to do. And I might be too high on this guy, but I felt okay about it. And I'll be curious to see where you guys have him. I do have Zach Harrison next. And this is based on like what people are saying about Zach Harrison. 
right? That like, maybe I wouldn't have had Zach Harrison. This is not based off only how Zach Harrison played last year. This is based off what people are saying about him from the off season and camp. And initially I was like, they're saying so many good things about him. Maybe I'll have him ahead of Haskell Garrett. I was like, that's a little bit too far, but I actually did have Harrison fifth on my list. I had him ahead of Ruckert and Nicholas Petit Frere because I'm doing predictive enough based on evidence, based on the evidence that we're hearing everybody around him say that I think he has a chance to play at an all American level this year based on the way people are talking. So I was comfortable moving him up to number five, my second best defensive guy, We'll take him seven here in the draft. Steven, where'd you have Zach Harrison? I don't hate it. I had him at 10 for right now um, because we're hearing a lot of great things. And I think the expectation is there, but let me, I'd rather, you know, low ball him and then have to change it when we do this again right now. So I had him at 10. There's uh, one more defensive player I had ahead of him because I think my logic with him is kind of the same as Zach Harrison. The logic you're using was Zach Harrison a little bit. So 10 for me, but I don't hate the seven. Nathan, where'd you have him? I had him seventh. He was next on my list, just like with yours. And um, again, I, I, I same as same as you. Like I, I, I feel like people have gone out of their way to like get ahead of the Zach Harrison story. I mean, people at Ohio State to like be out in front of how much they wanted to praise him almost even before he was asked. They were asked about it, including people like Ryan Day. So you know, I feel like. Th- it's not like they haven't said it before about him, right? That, they, that something special could be coming, but it just sounds different this spring. And I'm intrigued by that. And he wasn't a bad player before. I mean, yeah, it's that's the like, thing too. So, yeah. yeah it's good. It, yeah. It's sometimes we, we think of guys who, if they're not doing what Chase Young does, then that means they're not playing good football. You can actually play really good football and be nowhere near that kind of Chase Young, Nick Bosa level. And, and I, so the, the, the floor is higher than people have realized, I think, these last couple of years. He's a good player who people are talking about like he might be great. So I think I think this I think it was reasonable. I think we all have him in the same range here. Nathan, who do you have next at pick number eight? And I'm going to take Tyreek Smith here. Just similarly, a guy that I feel like plays really strong um, is poised potentially for an even better year if he can stay healthy for a full off season and go into a season. He was playing really strong at the end of last year before COVID got in the way. Just a, a guy that seems like he could be poised for a, a really strong final year. And that's exactly where I had him. I also had him eighth, all the same stuff behind Harrison based on the way that people are talking about Harrison this spring, but he's been good and it feels like he might be ready to be better. I think he's, I think he was pretty clearly to me a top 10 guy. Steven, where'd you have him? Flip him and Zach Harrison. And that's how I had it. Why, why aren't you listening? Why don't, why weren't you swayed by all the stuff people have said about Zach Harrison? This because I, I think that a lot of that can be applied to Tyree Smith. It's just it, when he gets healthy, he starts showing it. Like when he started showing it at the end of the year, Larry Johnson would go, well, this is what can happen when he gets healthy. He just was not healthy. So he might, his situation with Zach, it just might be a development thing by Tyree Smith. It just might've been his body would let him be what he was supposed to be. And I considered that because, I mean, which one was actually playing better football at the end of last year? I think you could argue Tyreek Smith. Yeah, but I got to listen to what these people are saying, man. Are people going nuts. Is it, who's like the number one guy that people are saying crazy good stuff about this spring? Is it not you guys? Have, I haven't been on every single call, but is it not Zach Harrison? Well, I mean, he doesn't come up on every call, but yeah, no, no, no I, mean, I know. But, but over, I'm, not, it's, I'm not saying it, he comes it, up. Okay, the based on if, if we had to, it probably would be Zach Harrison, Teron Vincent, then Tyreek Smith in that order. 
Okay, I'm going by. I'm I'm putting the guy who's like the number one talking point of the spring of a good player making a leap to great. I'm listening to that. Like this is another camp. He he's must be killing it, and he killed it in the off season. So like I I don't. It feels like to me if the Ohio State people would rank Zach Harrison a higher than Tyreek Smith, maybe barely. But based on what Zach Harrison is doing, um, all right. So Tyreek Smith is eight. We'll go to number nine for me, and this is where I really. Well, no, no, no. I'm nine. I'm nine. You're 10. Oh, sorry. Number nine yeah. for Steven. This is a line in the sand to me. I'll be curious where you go here because you really have a chance to start getting into some more predictive stuff. I, I think that the guys who have been absolute rock stars on the field or have been like really good, we're, we're running out of those guys to some extent. So I'm curious to see if you go a little more predictive or if you stick with more production here at nine, Steven. I'm, it's a what if scenario just because the opportunity is now there. And yeah, you're right. There is a line in the sand. There is a huge gap in between what eight and what nine are at this point. What if now that Josh, Josh Proctor is my number nine. What if now that he gets to focus on this spot, he knows this is what he's going to be doing. He's not having the battle of Marcus Hooker or Bryson Shaw or anybody else for that spot. He's not in a situation where he's not getting snaps because Jordan Fuller's taking them on. Then he gets thrown out there against Clemson. What if now he reaches that ceiling that we used to talk about with him? Because this is what he gets to do and just put all of his energy towards being that single high safety. What happens? In range, I didn't have him this high. I had him 12th on my list. Steven's picking him ninth. Nathan, where'd you have him? 13. Um, and I, I hear what Steven is saying. I want to make sure that we talk about Josh Parker the way because I feel like it's come up and he's even perpetuated this a little bit in interviews this idea that he was like getting jerked around a lot in the past. And that's why he didn't maybe maximize his potential. But I mean, his first couple of years here, he was a safety. He was the free safety. He was he practiced as a free safety the way everybody else did. And in, in last year, I don't know that I, there's like a chicken before the egg thing with last year, right? Like he and Marcus Hooker were both being, as far as we can tell, both being considered for that position. Marcus Hooker was the one that emerged out front, and the, but they, then they found a role for Josh Proctor. And at that point, he he did have to practice some other things. I just don't know that it's a it's. I I, I want to make sure that we don't talk about it as the way we talk about maybe someone like. Baron Browning even where it's like, well, we, they didn't know where to put him. Like, no, they tried to make him a free safety before and they didn't feel like he like won that job. That's the way I see it. Right. That's, I don't see it that I see it as one. Yeah. He was practicing as a safety and then they changed the defensive scheme on him. And all of a sudden it's one safety on the field. And then from the moment Kerry Combs got here, he sat down with Josh Proctor and said, we want you to play this role instead of that role. So it, it seemed more like it wasn't necessarily Marcus Hooker beat him out. It just Marcus Hooker is going to be the single high safety and you're going to have this role. So not jerked around as much as Baron Browning was, but, I mean, under the same umbrella. He hasn't been hurt, has he? Not that he we was, know of, and in like a serious way. No, I think he I th- not in a way that like there's like if you say Tyreek Smith, right? It has some no, injury. Not things, not like, not to that level, no. So you know there's he's never a been four- a time where he was unavailable as far as right. we know, right? He's a like fourth a year trip. guy mm-hmm. who a year ago as a third year guy didn't win the job at his position. And so it's his fourth year and he's been good, but he's had a little wiggles, some wiggles that aren't injury related. So I therefore have some guys who are younger than him and have done less on the field for him, but I think might be on a straight path to stardom. That is, that is here right now that I have ahead of Josh Proctor because he might get there, 
but he's he's good and he's going to be important for this defense. But I don't know that he I have other guys who I think are more likely to be all Americans this year than him. And I don't think there's been anything holding him back that wasn't in his own control. You know what I mean? And so I just will say, you know, again, I had him 12th. So it's like in range. I actually think there's a guy in the secondary that I'm surprised you have ahead of Proctor, Steven. So we'll, we'll have that conversation in a minute, but uh, we'll get to our fourth round. It's my pick now, right? Do I have to do this? Correct. It is. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. So pick number 10 in our draft of the best Ohio State Buckeyes right now, our rankings of them. We'll do it right after this on Buckeye Talk. Make sure you guys are reading cleveland.com slash OSU. We have a bunch of draft preview stuff that we are writing as this gets closer now. Um, last weekend in April, we have the spring game coming up on Saturday. We're going to have more stuff with that. Uh, we're doing, you know, Buckeye Talk five days a week. And um, Nathan, like some of the draft stuff, excuse me, some of the draft stuff we're getting into, you had a, on Tuesday morning, like you dropped the Trey Sermon thing. Just explain to the people what might be coming ahead in the next couple, you know, two and a half weeks with our draft writing. Yeah, so just sort of brainstorming as a staff, we came up with a, a list of questions, for lack of a better term. Maybe they won't all be questions, but just things that needed to be kind of answered about this Ohio State draft class. So, for instance, mine today was, you know, will Trey Sermon pick up where he left off, pick up in the NFL where he left off with Ohio State? You know, a guy who was just, you know, playing at a, 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 a level that, that few running backs in the country were playing at, really. Um, not that, you know, they were getting a part of the season where I guess not as many teams were playing, but I mean, he was, he was playing fantastic at the end of the season, the best he'd ever played in his career, putting up numbers that few Ohio state running backs have ever put up. And then abruptly again, gets hurt. So the questions about the, the top end of his talent were answered. The questions about his consistency have not been answered. What is that going to mean when he goes off to the NFL? So just things like that, we're going to have questions about, I mean, similar things about probably uh, 10, 10 guys or so. We also are expecting that we'll get hopefully receivers and quarterbacks yet this week and talk to them before the spring game. So those are two huge position groups of interest. So we anticipate on the Thursday podcast, on the Friday podcast, we will fold some of those interviews into our discussion. We'll do some things that we're looking for in the spring game, and we'll get you guys geared up for Saturday. Again, noon kickoff, right, Nathan? Noon on Saturday? Is that right? Noon is the published kickoff time. Okay. All right, so pick number 10. This is, again, I'm getting predictive here, but I'll stand by it. Um, We're picking him at 10. He was ninth on my list, and it's time for Paris Johnson. And to me, if Thayer Munford had gone to the NFL as expected and Paris Johnson was the starting left tackle, I think I don't know that anybody would dispute this. So he's still Paris Johnson. He's still the football player he is. He did what he was supposed to do as a freshman last year. The couple times he got in the game, he mauled people. He's clearly a starter. He's their third. I have him as the third best offensive lineman based on what he's done, what he's doing and what he's going to be. So I know, you know, he's not, he hasn't started or whatever, but like, I'm okay. When I think about the guys who have, who are more experienced, I don't think they're all American level players. And I think Paris Johnson is an all American level player who is maybe being that right now, this spring, he just hasn't, been a starter at Ohio state yet. So I drew, we talked a lot about the top eight. I drew a line after Tyreek Smith at eight and I was sort of, we don't have to do this, but I was almost thinking a little bit of in terms of like, where would my five stars end and my four stars begin. Right. 
and then where do the four stars end and the three stars begin? I might end my five stars at Tyreek Smith because, like, giving Paris Johnson five stars when he's never started in college football may be a little high, but I think he should be ahead of all these other guys, including Proctor. So I have Paris Johnson. I'll take him here 10th. Nathan, where'd you have Paris? I had him ninth on my list. I had, like, a top eight and then a second group of, like, 10. It kind of did break down into these tiers for me, and he's right at the top of that next tier. Just everything you're saying – that um, and it, it's difficult because that means we're putting him ahead of some guys who had starting jobs last year when he didn't, and now they're even looking at him at, at similar position to some of those guys. But I, it, it, again, it's just a it's a matter of I think looking at age, looking at opportunity, and all of it sort of converging for him this season. Stephen, where'd you have? He was 10 for me, and as a matter of fact, there's a couple guys from that 2020 class who are going to be in the 10 to 15 range for me. Uh, yeah, I, we, I mean, great players, they flash early. You see it, and he flashed in that Clemson game. He, he flashed and validated that five-star rating pretty quickly. So, yeah, if that's the expectation, what he did in those two or three snaps against Clemson, yeah, he should be a top 10, top 15 guy on this list already without even playing, starting a single snap. And if we're wrong, he'll – move down into the twenties by the middle of the season or whatever. But I think, I think it's, I think it's reasonable to have him here when you compare him to the other people. All right. Pick number 11 in our draft. Steven means, Oh no, Nathan Baird. It's up to you. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Um, Speaking of like age and opportunity and the kind of the recruiting, you know, um, background that he came in with the esteem that he comes in with, it's someone who I guess technically does not have a job, a starting job today, but we know where it's maybe trending. And if I'm picking it today, I'm going to take CJ Stroud next. In range. Wow. Uh, I, I'm, I had him 13th. Okay. So, yeah. And, and you're picking him here 11th. I'm just going to talk about watching practice. Cause I haven't watched practice in a year. And I did have my binoculars and I was watching the quarterbacks. He didn't miss. I didn't see him miss. I saw the other guys miss a little bit. He's first up in every drill. He walks around like he's the starter. He doesn't miss much. He doesn't miss much in practice. And I think it's over. So like whatever that means, I think Ohio state fans may decide on Saturday that this is over and that August is still going to happen. But it is officially, you know, six periods of practice was enough for me based on everything else that's gone on to decide that I am now officially viewing C.J. Stroud differently than I view the other guys. And I'll be very curious to see where the other quarterbacks come up on this list. But if he's the starting quarterback, and to me, he's the starting quarterback, then I think to have him in the top 15 based on these other guys around him I, I don't dispute that. Again, I had him 13th, but Nathan, and then we'll get to you, Stephen, on this. Like, Nathan, I, that's just how I'm going to think about it. Not because I'm trying to be crazy, but it's because I think it's a reflection of reality. I think C.J. Stroud is the starting quarterback for this team. Yeah, like we've said, I think, on the spot a couple times, or we were discussing this just last week, right, that like just because there was a even 33% chance for these guys to compete for the job does not mean they all started out on the same level at the beginning of the spring. I think it's become clear over time that CJ Stroud ended last year in front and these other guys are going to have to overtake him a little bit. Not that it was necessarily that they had to like 
prove it and he didn't, but just that he had a little bit of a lead and probably had a little bit of the confidence and swagger and self-assurance that goes with that. Um, I, I've seen him wobble some throws in, in the practices that I've seen. It's, he's not perfect out there, but just all the things you're talking about with like things like body language are, I think, important. And just now that we've seen him be out front in everything, you know, you see it once, it doesn't mean anything. You see it twice, maybe it's a coincidence. We've seen four practices now. And Ryan Day insists that they're cycling these guys like they're drawing names out of a hat or something. Or That seems to be what he's insinuating. He hasn't actually come out and said that. But but it's a trend now. C.J. Stroud leads all of these things. He's just he's the guy leading them through all of these things. So I, I think any other, any other circumstance, if nobody else was here and C.J. Stroud was just a five-star who was clearly going to be the starting quarterback, I, I don't think there'd be any question he should be this high on the list. All right, Stephen, first of all, let's get your assessment of the quarterback competition as you are sort of reading things and then we'll get to where you had CJ on your list. Yeah, I, I it's, it's, it, he's not perfect out there. He misses him, but it is the vibe around him. He carries himself out there. Like he's already won this job and he has no plans of giving it up. Whether it's watching them go through warmups. He's first watching, go through a drill. He's first watching how he interacts with Ryan day and Corey Dennis. First, there's just some things, some things that they do with him that they don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily see them do. With, with with Jack and Kyle when they had their reps up there. The way he's interacting with the other positions when they do goal line stuff and just some other things, he's first. Everything about him screams, I'm the starting quarterback and you're not taking this job from me. Yeah, I think we're in agreement on this. We just have to t- we have to go by, uh, and they haven't said a ton. I mean, I, I we weren't sure that we'd get quarterbacks before the spring game. That's the plan right now. I'm very much looking forward to it. Just to hear the quarterbacks discuss it, just to hear Corey Dennis talk about it. We're not going to ask them to declare who the starter is, but we'll get a little bit of a read on things more. So, again, great anticipation for all of us to do that. But I think we're in agreement of it's just what your eyeballs are telling you. And again, thanks to Ohio State for the opportunities to watch the bits and pieces of practice. And Nathan, as you said, sometimes they do rotate guys and you might just catch a day, a bunch in a row. And on B day, it's reversed and we never go in on B day. I think Ryan Day is trying to vocalize it as a competition but the reps are the reps and cj stroud's first up in the reps uh, steven where'd you have cj stroud on your list i had him 15 because i agree if you're the starting quarterback you need to be top 15 but i think because they haven't done much he has to be 15 okay so i think we're we're again we're all in range here um nathan picked him 11th that's a little bit higher than where Steven and I had him, but not a ton higher. So I think, I think we're all basically on the same page here. So we'll go to pick 12 and it's Steven. Lathan uh, Ransom. I, I, I mean, I, that kid's going to have a role. Uh, he, he started flashing at the end of the year when he had his opportunity. And it seems like that's just going to be his role this year. Um, there, there, is the, there is a starter in the secondary, like the most veteran starter in the secondary that you – have, that you just picked Lathan Ransom ahead of. Yeah, I know. I think Lathan Ransom's ceiling is higher than that starter you're talking about. You think Lathan Ransom's ceiling is so high? Again, this is not – it's somewhat predictive, but the we're, other not guy, a, we're, not a, we're not 100% sure that when they send their first 11 defenders out on the field in the opener against Minnesota that Lathan Ransom will be one of them. Right? The other, yeah, yeah. We're not 100% sure, are we? I think we're 0% sure that's going to happen. I mean, I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm just saying there's no way to, to, to assume that he's going to be a starter this fall. So, so I, so 
So I think it's high, but Steven, so go, go the, into the, more the, of why the you other guy, the other guys in range, but that guy started flashing and it seems like that's the role he is going to have, even though they're saying, oh, they, they're saying everybody's moving around right now, but I think he is going to have, I predict no. When we predicted what the starting secondary would be, like I said, he would be that second safety. So no, I am going to to back up that point. I think he is going to have that role, and I think his ceiling is higher in that role than the other guy you are talking about, who is in range on my list for me. But I just think Lathan Ransom's ceiling is higher. Yeah, this is crazy uh, to have Lathan Ransom ahead of Seven Banks. I think this doesn't make any sense based on. I mean, Seven Banks was pretty good last year, and he's li- lined up to be their number one corner. And Lathan Ransom like didn't play like he played against Alabama, or he played like when guys were like when did he? When's the first game that he played? And it's not like they've been blowing up Lathan Ransom. Like we haven't had fourteen Lathan Ransom discussions, have we? The Seven Banks is also hurt right now. Yeah, but so. he's going to be the number one corner. It's not like he's not going to play. I just this is I I I don't I don't think there's many people listening who would agree to have Lathan Ransom ranked ahead of seven banks. I mean, if you want to have Lathan Ransom in the top in the top twenty, I I I just I think there's a case for it. But but to have him ahead of seven, seven banks, I can't wrap my head around. I had Lathan Ransom twenty fourth. You picked him twelfth. I'll hear that maybe twenty fourth is low. I, I I'll hear that maybe that's low. Maybe he should be in the top 20 for sure. Um, but Nathan, do, do you think Seven Banks should be ahead of Lathan Ransom? He's ahead of him on my list. Where so, did you have yeah. Lathan Ransom on your list? Uh, a few spots down from him. So like I, I'm, I, I didn't, I had to begin to get in these tiers. So he's like 21, 22, something like that. Okay. So well, I think again, maybe, maybe Lathan Ransom will be one of their 10 best players this year. I just, I think it's high right now. Um, okay. That is... Pick 12. We're going to go to pick 13. And this actually, now this pick by me might be a little Lathan Ransom-ish. But this guy's going to start. And this guy did do more, I think, last year than Lathan Ransom did. But it was only flashes. And it might be high. And I'll hear the arguments that it's too high. Just like I made an argument that Lathan Ransom is too high. But at pick 13, I'm going to pick Jackson Smith Najigba. And they are, they are clearing a spot for him, right? That they could keep Garrett Wilson in the slot and they could play Jamison Williams outside. They could play Julian Fleming outside. They could play Marvin Harrison outside. But every rep that we saw in practice Monday, the ones are Olave and Wilson outside and Jackson Smith, Jigba, Smith and Jigba in the slot. JSN has a role. He looked ready from the jump last year and i think there is great potential there i might be overrating it i might be overrating it so i'm very curious to hear where you guys have him he was 10th on my list i'm picking him here at 13 but that's how i thought of him as potentially as really based on what he's done and and the position he's in that i think i'm thinking of him as really a top 10 player on this team steven i might be crazy where did you have jackson smith and jigba 17 is he gonna get the ball I don't know if he's going to get the ball. That's true. Is Jeremy Ruckert? He I mean, might like, get it more I, than Jackson Smith and Jigba, honestly. I'll be, I'll be curious. That'll be a good – Who's going to get the ball more, Jeremy Ruckert or a third wide receiver? I, no, well, I think, I think we could make – it'll be an interesting bet or an over-under before the season on who will have more catches, Jackson Smith and Jigba or Jeremy Ruckert, right? Don't, don't you think that's at least an yeah, interesting I, discussion? I, I, yeah, I think it is. I just think my point being that, and Jeremy Rucker does a lot of other things in the offense too that I don't think you would say that maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba 
affects the offense in those ways, obviously. I'm just saying that like targets is not necessarily what we're trying to gauge here. Right. It's how good you are, how they use you is sort of out of your control, which is the Jeremy Ruckert discussion we have all the time. Like Jeremy Ruckert is like, we're all in agreement that Jeremy Ruckert's like a top six or seven player on this team, but we just don't know how much they're going to use it. Right. So, mm-hmm. so I had, so we're picking him here 13th, I had him 10th, you had him 17th. So Steven, you think this is high and that production, I mean, production comes into it to some degree of like, well, how good are you if, you don't get to show it that much, right? I mean, like that that factors in somehow. Because even if you want to use a Jeremy Rucker, he gets the ball for how the Ohio State uses their tight ends. That's he's maximizing his, his the production he can have. I, I, I mean, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are gonna get the ball, man. And I don't think anybody else is gonna touch it that often. Yeah, that's I think that's too far. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba will get it more than Jamison Williams got it as the third receiver. No, yeah, I, I believe that. I just think there is going to be a, a ridiculous gap in between whoever ends up second between Chris and Garrett and then what? how many catches Jackson Smith and Jigba has next year, even if he is third among wide receivers. But right, who, so, who is it easier to pick to have a bigger role on this team right now? Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba or Lathan Ransom? If, why, why, why is Jackson Smith and Jigba's potential starting role, but just not I think a lot his of targets? Poten- I, think his pot- I think his potential for production might just be higher just because his isn't dependent on them calling plays for him or somebody throwing him a football. He just needs to go. Dependent go on him out. playing? He's going to play. What do, he's not going to go from not having that role he had at the end of the year to just not having a role at all. Yeah, but that role, well, Cam the role Brown, at the end of the year right now doesn't project to be as big of a role that, that Jackson Smith and Jigba might have. I mean, it's hard. I mean, we've had this discussion with Lathan Ransom, right? That when we were trying to figure out who the top five defensive backs, right, in snaps would be, and we all came around on seven banks, Cam Brown, Josh Proctor, Marcus Williamson, and Lathan Ransom as the top five, right? That those are the, we mm-hmm. think are the five defensive backs will be on the field the most. Um, I just, we've picked Proctor. I, well, now we're going back to the Ransom conversation. It's just about like sort of impact again. I don't think Lathan Ransom's, if we're talking impact, Lathan Ransom's not going to have as much impact as Seven Banks. I mean, he's not. Seven Banks is the number one outside corner. He's going to be in the field every single play, like doing f- top corner things. Like, like Lathan Ransom's really good, but he's not really a candidate to play outside corner. We don't know how much they're going to play a second deep safety. So he's in that, you know, box safety, slot corner kind of thing. So um, I do, we, but we are getting it. There is now we're getting into a messy middle area of potential production, mm-hmm. what you've done. Cause now we're getting the guys who maybe have done some stuff, but maybe it hasn't been that great. Right. That it's like, all right, you're the 18th best player on the team. Well, you've played, but were you awesome when you played? Well, if you played and maybe had some question marks, should you be ahead or behind a guy who's barely played at all and therefore hasn't had the chance to make some mistakes but actually, when he gets that chance, very well, we'll make them. So, like, are you somehow rated higher because you've played less? I mean, we're getting in to a messy gray area. I think this is an interesting – the teams are interesting on this team. And there's going to be some guys in here that we're going to look back and say, I can't believe we drafted that guy 16th. He's in the 50s by October. And there's going to be some guys where we look back and say, I can't believe we got that guy 21st. He's like the fifth best player on the team. Right. And that's where we are. So I do think we're going to have some disagreements here where the top eight or 10, we were kind of all in the same range. I think we might have some wide gaps here, as we've shown, uh, I think, so far. So 
Nathan, you don't exactly have numbers, but like Jackson Smith and Jigba, if I had him 13th and he was 10th on my last on my list, Stephen had him 17th. Where would you have him? He was 11th. He was the next guy on my list that hadn't okay. been taken. All right. So now we are up to Nathan, right? So your pick with the 14th pick in the draft. So having just argued about things like who actually did more last season and who will have a certain opportunity for this season, I'm going to, I think, throw both of those things out. And if we're trying to just be honest with people and say who we think, when you start talking about ceiling, you start talking about the potential maximum impact. And I think opportunity does still lurk there. I just don't know if it's going to be day one. I'm going to put Trevion Henderson here. Okay, now there's a guy that I think we're disrespecting, but we'll talk about him when we get to him. Um, Trayvon Henderson, I, so you're taking him here at 14th. I had him 17th, so I'm in range. Steven, what do you think of Trayvon Henderson here? He was 19th on my list, so in range. I get it. Nathan, why'd you go this high with him? Again, I, I think if – and I, I struggled, especially head-to-head against the guy that I think you're talking about. But, again – are, are we are we talking specifically just about role and accumulation of, of numbers, or are we talking about just pound for pound how good of a football player we think they are? And again, there is a predictive element to this, as there is with all of like in that recruiting ranking structure that you're talking about. And when you start talking about guys who are separated by a couple of years, there's a reason why a guy might be on the field to start a season that isn't because of his ceiling compared to the guy that he's playing ahead of. And we've talked before about when this might all catch up for Trevin Henderson. This, I understand this is, is a little bit high. I expected this to, to you guys to probably say that you had him a little bit lower, but just as I'm trying to pick when I was comparing him to the other guys in this cluster, which one could potentially have the most special season of that group. I still think it's Trevion Henderson. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I mean, Stephen, right? If we think he's going to be the primary running back, there's a little bit of the CJ Stroud argument here. Now, the one thing is, is that he's a true freshman. And so if it's the idea of like, listen, man, you literally, so like, listen, Paris Johnson hasn't done much, but he's going to be awesome. CJ Stroud hasn't done much, but he's going to be awesome. But they've at least been here for a year. Like Trayvon Henderson is like figuring out life right now. So I did have any true freshman. He was, my highest ranked true freshman at, at 17, but I, any true freshman, I held back a little bit of like, you've literally like never walked out of the tunnel at Ohio stadium before. So where did you have Trevion, uh, Steven? I had him at 19 highest, highest true freshman and to that point, even with CJ Stroud as a quarterback. So the logic we have to use with him is a little bit differently. So you can't just go, Oh, he's never thrown a pass either. It's, it's the quarterback. Everybody else, whether we agree with where we put them on our list or not, has at least had a moment on the field where they flashed and a moment that mattered, especially Jackson Smith. I mean, that catch was awesome um, that he had the touchdown catch against Alabama that ended up getting called back. Latham Ransom had some moments in the Big Ten championship game and Paris Johnson started flashing into Clemson. So at least we see it on the highest stage with those guys, whether we agree with the order or not. <laughs> Travion's been here for three months and he didn't play football as a senior in high school. Yeah. And he might what be think, top six. Right. By that, November. It, right. All of that. <laughs> he can go the exact. So you have to have him in your top 20. So I'm not completely, I'm not mad that you have him at that spot. It's just an interesting place for us to finally put a true freshman here. What I think is interesting for the daily Buckeye talk listeners is if they go back like a month, 
I feel like I was on the other side of this argument yeah. almost. Like I was the one who was the more skeptical of everyone as far as like how much he would do this year or the fact that that um, another guy we haven't talked about would potentially just still be the guy this year. But again, when I start talking about when you start talking about ranking in a recruiting style thing, you do look at ceiling over just, you know, uh, maintaining a role to some extent, I guess is how I looked at it. And we it's all also have interesting tra- how people's see. opinions can maybe change once kids start losing their black stripes and how early they do it. But it's again, we're, we're letting, I mean, we can't be dismissive of black stripes. I mean, if you go back in the history yeah. of black stripes, there is, it's not a one-to-one correlation. There are some guys who just were whatever, but it means something. And so that he lost mm-hmm. it early, he's ready to roll. And we all have Trevion Henderson ahead of master Teague on our own personal lists. Is that true? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Steven, you did. And Nathan, clearly you did obviously. Okay. Steven, you are up with pick 15. There's also an abundancy larger group of people losing it this spring. That used to be a unique thing. And now it seems like, like Reed Carrico and Emeka Buka just lost their black stripes as we're recording this. <laughs> this is a large group of black. Of that's black five, five yeah, so far. That's yeah. Yeah. When a couple of years ago, it was only Garrett Wilson and Zach Harrison. And then before that, it was like Austin Mack was like the but, first one to do it. But that makes sense. I mean, again, I'm just going to keep talking about the fact I'm so happy to watch practice. I prefaced my question to Ryan Day on Monday by saying, I'm so happy to watch practice. Oh, I'm the happiest boy in the world. Emeka Buka ran with the twos on practice Monday and Reed yep. Carrico had an interception. And it's like, all right, well, if they're doing that, rep those stripes off, baby. So like, not that I would have predicted it for sure, but if you, I mean, that's the guys are doing some stuff and they're being put in positions to do some stuff. All right, pick 15, Steven. Seven Banks is going to be my number 15. What I told are we you doing? this is too low for him. We have disrespected him. Go ahead. He's in. I told you he was in range of Lathan Ransom for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just think what we saw last year. To, uh, yes, he's the number one corner. But what we saw last year is just what he's going to be again this year. I don't think it's going to his ceiling is going to raise any higher than what it was. Why? He didn't show me anything last year that made me think, oh, there's another level for him to take. You don't think he could be an all big 10 cornerback? I don't think he's a first rounder. I think he could get better. I, I, I am not my, my evaluation of him did not. Cause listen, here's the thing. Josh Proctor didn't win a job last year. You know who won a job last year? Seven banks. You know who started all year when there was chaos in the secondary and Sean Wade didn't play as well as people thought. And Cam Brown got hurt. You know who was out there every snap doing his thing in a secondary that was a mess. Seven banks. Seven Banks was probably their best secondary player last year. Who are their other options? But but what are the options this year? Like, I think think this is – I know he was recruiting the 300s. I think this is the guy – I think putting a true freshman who just got here, having Travion Henderson ahead of Seven Banks is crazy. This was the guy that I was like, I can't believe – we're not way off to me on him. I had him 11th on my list. I was very close on him between Jackson Smith and Jigman and Seven Banks. I had Smith and Jigman 10th and Banks 11th. Picking him here at 15, I just think what he's done, he's been a good football player who is the best player at his position and is like going to be counted on in a big way. I think to have like some of these guys who have never done anything yet ahead of him, I, I found a bit disrespectful. And like I have him ahead of Josh Proctor. What, what so far would indicate to anybody that Josh Proctor should be ahead of seven banks? I don't know what it would be. What is that based on? 
the ceil- the ceiling that he's flashed has been higher than the ceiling I've ever seen from Seven Banks. But, but like based on what 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 ceiling are you talking about? For, like well, I, Josh Proctor I, I, started making some plays at the end of the season. Once he was clearly the single high safety, and with Seven Banks, it's just oh, he, like you, he's a good football player. But I just think he'll just be a good football player again this year. I don't think there's another level that he gets to. Okay, so so you're picking him here fifteenth. Where was he actually on your list, Stephen? He was number fifteen on my list. Okay, so you're picking him. Well, it's not like I mean, you know, there might be, yeah, might no, have had him thirteenth, but yeah. So okay, no, he's fifteenth yeah, on your list. 15. I had him 11, 15 here. Nathan, is this too low for him? Or did like when you, to me, when you picked Henderson, the guy that popped in my head was seven banks. Like, why did you put Trayvon Henderson ahead of seven banks? Again, just, I think because I don't, I don't, I don't agree with maybe the the limitations that Steven sees on, on seven, but I also think that what Trayvon Henderson is could be something special. I don't know that I look at seven banks and see there could be something special there. Um, But I definitely push back on, the idea like there's other guys that played on this defense last year where I think the what were their other options question is legitimate. I don't feel that way about seven banks. I mean, I feel like we came out and watched last spring and he was actually doing things on the field last spring in the very limited time we got to see. Uh, but I, it, he, he got a starting job early and kept it and commanded it. I, I feel like that's different than some of the other guys where we felt like their play was very flimsy all season. And that was what the whole defense was kind of teetering on a little bit. I, I there, you can't look, you, you can't describe those two things the same way. Um, I know that they weren't really deep in the secondary last year and certainly weren't deep on experience, but I think we have in general, I think um, underrated seven banks. I think he had a, a really solid season last year. And I don't mean that as a pejorative. I mean that as a compliment. I think he was, um, I think we spent more time talking about what, Sean Wade wasn't doing than we ever talked about what seven banks actually was doing. I will admit this. Maybe I am penalizing him a little bit for some things that aren't his fault. The fact that the secondary, the talent in the secondary is not as high as it should be. And because the recruiting was not doing well, is not on him. So when I say something like, yes, he won a job, but what were the other options? That's not his fault that the other options behind him weren't good enough or that Tyree Johnson didn't hit. That that's not his yeah. fault, but that is the but it is still true. You started, but what, who did you beat out to have to get that job? And you, the, the talent wasn't high that you had to beat out. No, it's true, but I think he I think he did his job. I mean, we're not we're not that far off. I just I just thought the names that were in front of him. I understand why you as it like shook out. I thought it was we we waited. It felt a little bit too long to get the seven banks, but now we're at another guy who I am very apprehensive about having him here, and I'm going to pick him at sixteen. I made myself not underrate him because he's a five-star recruit and he started before. And now we're in a range of like, well, that's pretty good compared to the other guys we're going to start mentioning. But I think it is going to be everybody's tendency to underrate him. And it's Harry Miller. He is a starter on the offensive line. He's my fourth offensive lineman. I did have Paris Johnson ahead of him who has barely played, but he is going to start either at center or guard And when we start talking about other guys here, I mean, this is a guy who it's possible is going to be like, oh, yeah, he just had a little bit of a rough first year as a starter. And he's an all Big Ten offensive lineman. now. Like that is definitely on the table. He is not going full bore in practice. So, Nathan, I sort of had to check myself. I'm picking him here 
at 16, he's actually 14th on my list. Yeah, 15th on my list. And I was really, he was the one, even more than seven banks, that I thought maybe I was underrating. Because what he did last year as a true sophomore who had never had a spring football, I, I feel like the criticism went a little too far. I'm not saying that he played great, but what he was asked to do last year and what he by and large did adequately at worst, um, I, I think needs more recognition than we've given it. And I think it, again, we don't, the complicating thing right now is just that he isn't a full participant this spring. And I suppose you can also say it's, it's a complicating thing right now that we don't know a hundred percent what position he'll play this fall. Although I think he does end up being the starting center. I, I, I'm, I'm much more, I definitely lean heavily towards him being the starting center, but so there are those cloudy things out there, but just um, a year ago at this time, I think we would have maybe put him at the same spot or higher. And that was before he'd ever actually gone out there and started in the big 10. Yeah. Like uh, a year ago, he was Paris Johnson. He was this great unknown five-star who's all potential and upside. I agree. Right. I think he would have been number 16 last year. Would have just been taught. It had just been more uh, positive the way we were talking about it, instead of saying, uh, we don't want to underrate him a little bit, but I think he, per, Harry Miller and Nicholas Petit Fair, their journeys here show us, especially for offensive linemen, how difficult it is to start as a sophomore. Whether it's because well, for I mean, you reasons. made some very good comparisons last year between Nicholas Petit Fair and Wyatt Davis. You know, like yeah. this is actually it's almost like this is, and again, we talked about Billy Price. There, there's mm-hmm. like a lot of like this is almost like even if you're a five star offensive lineman, it very well may be back up as a freshman start as a sophomore and have a little bit of a hard time, Yep. you know, or, or even, even if you're starting in your third year, if it's your first year as a starter, you might have a little bit of a hard time. And it's like, you know, like Nicholas Petit Frere didn't win the job his second year, but maybe if he had beaten out Brandon Bowen, then maybe he would have had a little bit of a hard time, but he couldn't even do that. Right. right. And it just, you don't come in and you're not Orlando pace right away. You just usually not. So we have Paris Johnson in our top 10 because we're breaking that rule because we think Paris Johnson breaks the rule. But I was worried about us like negging Harry Miller unfairly because all he did was earn a starting job in year two at Ohio State, which is really hard to do. And he wasn't perfect. And then we're like, ah, 31. And it's like, I wanted to make sure I didn't do that. So I think we're in agreement here. Steven, where'd you have him? He was 18 on my list. I have no problem with this. I am fully still having this expectation. Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers didn't start as as second-year guys. Wyatt Davis started flashing at the end when he had an opportunity, and then they started as third-year guys, and they were all Big Ten-level players. Nicholas Petit-Fred didn't start his first two years, and he was all Big Ten-level. Now we're thinking he's an All-American level. So Harry Miller, all Big Ten in year three, maybe All-American level. That's not crazy as a five-star guy who's the number one center in his class. Good. I think I think we're all in agreement here. I think this is right in the right spot for Harry Miller. So, Nathan, you're up next, and I think there is a guy who is screaming to be picked right now. And I'm super curious if you pick the guy who is next on my list. We'll see if it's on yours. I probably didn't. I'm probably taking a – this might be my most boring pick so far. This might be the one where I am giving credit for – um, reliability over the upside flash. Um, I'll, I'm going to put Master Teague here. Okay, so that's Master Teague at 17. I had him 19, so I'm not way off. Stephen, what do you think about this? Where'd you have him? 
20. I didn't want him and Travion Henderson to be too far apart on my list. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I had Trayvon Henderson at 17 and Master Teague at 19. So I, that's sort of like, Stephen, what you're talking about. In range of each other, Master Teague at 17. Is this a little bit of the dis- – make sure we don't disrespect the guy who's done it on the field, Nathan, that you're sort of talking about picking Master here? Exactly. That At some point, it can't all be – with recruiting rankings, it kind of is all about promise, right? And I know that that's like the structure we're dealing with, but it's not the reality of – what we're comparing here. And at some point when a guy, I I know what people, I know people think that there's a ceiling on master Teague and maybe there is, but the guy for the most part goes out there and grinds out yards for this football team. I mean, he, he, he had some bad luck last year with, with injury and, and then with the concussion and everything else that went into that. Um, He doesn't seem like an injury prone guy to me though. And he's a guy who um, has a lot of intangibles, but then also, like when as much as we gave Trey Sermon all this credit for what he did at the end of the season, and that was deserved for a large chunk of this season, this team wouldn't have had a running game. If it wasn't for master Teague. So I think that deserves some respect. Okay. I think we're pretty much all in agreement on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven pick 18 to you. We, we kind of touched on it earlier um, when we were talking about who are the three people that have people have kind of gone out of their way to talk about. And the guy who was number two, I said was Teron Vincent. And I think, Fully healthy, five-star, who we think might be the second-best interior defensive lineman on his team this year. What a fully healthy Teron Vincent realizes his potential. Ryan Day went out of his way to talk about him a couple, a couple weeks ago. That's who I was talking about, the guy who I thought was screaming to be picked. Yeah. That, that I would take the, the way people are talking about Teron Vincent, who has been beset by injury and nothing else, ahead of the steadiness of master T close, but I think this is exactly the right range for Teron Vincent. Steven, you're picking him at 18. Yep. I had him 15 on my list. Where was he actually on your list? Steven? He was actually number 21 on my list because I, I, so you're not, you're not going by your list again. I mean, my list is thrown off at this point because a lot of some of these other guys have already been taken. No, but I mean, this is the 18th pick in the draft, and if he's 21st on your list, you have guys ranked higher than Teron Vincent that you just did not pick just now. No, they've just been picked no, already. There's only been oh, eight yeah, yeah, selections. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my math. Yes, I, yes. So you're not following your own list again. My list evolves as we have conversations. Okay. It's okay. allowed That's to do fine. that. It's a fluid it recruiting list, okay? If you actually watch the 247, they come out with the update, and then like 48 hours later, they kind of update it. They sneak in a little extra update as people kind of, you know, calm their opinions down a little bit. So okay. that's, this is let my list sneaky. be fluid. Yeah, let my little... list be fluid. But yours is not 48 hours later. It's 48 seconds later that you oh, – yeah. Pick the guy who's 21st on your list at I mean, 18th yeah. in our draft, which is fine. Which is yeah, because I'm not. We're not going to tweet it out and I go, "Hey, I know I said this on the pod, but now I'm changing it in this tweet." No, it's just this is going to be fluid, especially when you're in from 15 to 30 range. Uh, but yeah, Teron Vincent, I just think fully healthy. What happens? Yeah, Nathan, like, do you want to go back and pick Teron Vincent over Master Teague? Or are you good? I thought he was going to pick. No, him. But he he was next on the list, and it it really comes down to again. That's why I wanted to give Master Teague the respect for having gone out there and done it. And I, that's, I'm not criticizing Teron Vincent under the circumstances. We're not having done that. Understand, right? Like I, he's had injuries that, that it's not that he has uh, failed at an opportunity, but it's just the difference. And this is what I was saying before. Like you get to a juncture where you're comparing two guys and like, okay, well, 
which one are you putting ahead? And I, I'm, it's just, for me, it's just a matter of, of giving Master Teague credit for what he's done. But I, I, I think we, this is one of those guys where I think we come back in August and do this, um, or certainly maybe even at the end of the season. That's what I'm really intrigued by. Like, do one of these now, do one of these in August, but then do one of these on, like, you know, January 23rd or whatever, and what, what actually um, came out. And if he stays healthy for a full year, or, and, and more importantly, I think stays healthy between now and the start of the year, I think he could be way higher on this list. Yeah, I think it's a good pick. I think we're all we're all in agreement on. And again, we're going by Stephen, as you said, how they talk matters. We're just listening, man. We're just trying to listen. He and looks he, good out there too in the practice that I got to watch. It's not like he's out there slugging around. He fits right in. And I'm not he didn't look awesome, but he looks like a guy who, you know, he's going he looks good for a guy who's been going through injuries the last two years. All right. Pick 19 to me. I think there's two guys left who haven't been picked who have like sort of won prominent roles previously for Ohio state, like kind of starter jobs or borderline starter jobs. So I'm going to go with the guy. This is a little difficult to me. I'm not super locked in with this pick, but I'll take cam Brown. We're expecting he's going to be the second outside corner. He's hurt. If he was out there at spring and looking good, you know, in spring practice and looking good, we might have him higher than this. I'm picking him at 19th. I had him at 16th. We are assuming he's a starter for this defense. He was waylaid by an injury, but up until the injury, you know, it was Sean Wade and seven banks outside and Cam Brown was sort of that third down guy in the slot. So I'm going to go on that. But if I will hear an argument that this is too high, if people think that again, I'm taking him here at 19. I actually had him at 16. He's 26th on my list. So that's obviously a lot farther down part of it is that he's hurt i mean there are there's i mean at least one guy in the secondary last year who you would say won a job ahead of him sort of i mean considering the well, role we can, let's say names i know we're trying to be secretive because we don't want to like give away names well, like, okay. so people have, but make your argument i guess i mean i'm just saying like i don't know as far as what they've actually done in their ohio state careers and maybe even what i'm confident of their impact being in 2021 like why is he ahead of mayan william or i'm um, marcus williamson so far like so think, far ahead of marcus williamson because i think if cam brown had been healthy last year marcus williamson wouldn't have played as much correct i agree so that's 100%. why like i think marcus williamson became the slot corner because cam brown tore his acl was it acl uh, Achilles. Uh, Achilles. Achilles. But he but, started but, the year over him. I mean, they could have, he could have won that job to start the year. But when you're, but like, uh, I think we said this on a, a previous pod, when it was third down passing situations, it was Cam Brown. So when you get to the playoff and when you get the games where you're playing passing down, teams who are going to throw the ball all over you, Marcus Williamson's not playing 60 snaps in those games. Cam Brown would have been playing those snaps. That's no, how maybe. I'm thinking. Maybe unfairly, but Steven sort of articulated what how I'm sort of viewing things and it is hard again, like benefit of the doubt and making assumptions with injured guys. I get, but I'm trying to look here. Second week of the season. Yeah. I mean, Marcus Williamson did play significantly more than he did. So yeah, I don't know. That might be wrong. That might be wrong. I have them. I have them back to back on my list, just farther down. And Cam Brown was someone that I, I think I looked at this and said, I think that's where I have to slot him now. But when we do this in August, and again, certainly when we do it after a season where he might actually be able to be healthy and play a guy who could climb a lot, but it's, it, I look at him, he's almost like a, a Jack Miller esque guy from his, the recruiting rankings, like a guy gets hurt 
And this is like, he, he already was hurt and hasn't gone back on the field from that. So you're going to keep dropping a little bit as other guys prove themselves, but that doesn't mean he can't prove himself here in a couple months. Yeah. I'll hear that. Uh, Steven, does this seem too high to you that I took Cam Brown 19? No, I, I, I also had him and Marcus back to back 24 and 25. I, I'm not bad at it. I, I see why I think we're, we're, we kind of penciled him in as a second cornerback. Um, but at the same, I, I am interested to see when the next outside corner comes off the board, because that also might change my thoughts on where you picked him at, because he's still hurt. So there are some yeah. other guys who are going to get some reps here. And so I think if we're going to go off what we think they might do in a little bit is projecting a little bit, then one of these second year corners needs to be near them because of that. Yeah, maybe a little high, maybe a little high by me. All right, Nathan, pick 20, you're up. All right. Well, I'm probably gonna take someone else uh, too high here, but it kind of goes back to recognizing the importance of some positions over other positions and how we would maybe be talking about this person if someone else wasn't on the roster and how that sometimes skews our perceptions of things. I'm going to put Kyle McCord at 20. Oh, I don't think he's second up in reps, right? I think in the rotation, Jack Miller is ahead of him. I think he the has, time. he has been ahead of him in, in the At rotation. Yeah. yeah. So this is interesting. Once I decided in my own head, based on trying to read tea leaves and what I saw in practice that CJ Stroud was the starter. The other quarterbacks fell off a cliff yep. for me. I didn't like some of the time. It's like, you guys are talking about, well, I had these corners 24 and 25 or whatever. I had these the offensive lot. Like you're trying to group some guys. I did not group them. It's like, okay, if you're the guy, then I'm going to assume that, you know, you didn't win your job. The job was there to be won, even though the talent around you was good. And if Kyle McCord didn't win it, then how can he be the 20th best player on the team? Right? Like I, I, I sort of took that into my head. So I will tell you that I have Kyle McCord 45th and maybe that's crazy too, but, if he's not winning I mean, he's, the job, like, I don't, I don't, I, I, it's hard. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm I understand looking at it wrong. I definitely understand what you're saying. And there's probably going to be, we'll get to somebody else somewhere on this list that I make the same argument about. I just feel like it's a five-star quarterback who I think if CJ Stroud were not here. And I think that's a fair thing to kind of use to analyze this because yeah. Because you have to look at each of these guys like individually. If Kyle McCord wasn't, or if, if CJ Stroud wasn't here, I think there would just be a lot more excitement about the potential of Kyle McCord right now because of the, the momentum that he brought into this. Um, or certainly if Kyle McCord were at Penn State right now, um, you, know, you know what I mean? Like I, I tried to look at this through like a bunch of different alternate realities. And if you're just going pound for pound football player and pound for pound potential impact, not because of the role he could have on this team, but just because of like in a vacuum, what his, what a five-star guy, um, if he had the opportunity would do. Uh, so I, I, I definitely listen that it's too high, but I don't think it's that high. I mean, I will say the idea that like you're good, but you're blocked is, I mean, tell that story a thousand times over. Like, and I'm getting, we don't want to not name, like Taraja Mitchell was like basically ranked similarly to Kyle McCord. In his, and when he was a recruit and he's been blocked, blocked for a long time here. And now he's definitely going to be a starter this year. 
So if the idea is like, well, he's a really good player if he, if he was somewhere else or if there weren't some other good guys ahead of him, then he'd play more and he'd be higher. I would say some, to some degree, I could say, well, I can show you 14 guys on this team who that logic applies to. So like I have Taraja Mitchell quite a bit higher than Kyle McCord because while I'm not disputing your Kyle McCord point, I'm saying I think that's a story that happens a lot here. What do you think of Kyle McCord here, Stephen? First of all, I want to I want to thank you for segueing me into the person I was going to pick. Kyle McCord is number yeah, Kyle McCord is number fifty for me. It's okay. just it, I understand that you're good, but you're blocked. But that's different with quarterbacks. That you can't really apply that there because with all other positions, outside of really offensive line, if a guy's good enough, they'll find a small role for him. You can't do that with quarterbacks. You're either playing or you're not. And yes, if you can play if CJ Stroud wasn't here, but he is here. So if that's the case, if we're going to go talent, but also what we think they might do this year, if we think CJ Stroud is the starting quarterback, then Kyle McCord is not doing anything. Now, to be fair, we talked at the beginning that, okay, well, we're going to kind of do this like recruiting rankings, right? And like in recruiting rankings, it's not about like, is somebody at your position better than you or are you blocked? Like we are folding that thinking into what we said the original thinking was supposed to be. So if you're really just going like, okay, good football player, like good football player, like right now, the, the, the part of it that I would dispute the most is he just got here. He's a true freshman. It's a really hard position to learn. I bet he is screwing up right now at a higher level than some other guys who haven't been pin- picked yet. Not because he's not a good football player, but like, as a college football player who isn't just talented but understands his job, it feels like to me it, it almost would be impossible. Now, if he was winning the competition, be like, well, he must have done it. But he's not winning the competition, so I'm assuming he's still on his pathway to understanding that would lead me to not have him this high. So I think a lot of it is how you view it because Stephen and I clearly viewed it completely differently. So we're almost having like parallel conversations here, Nathan. Yeah. But – like I, the I way you're a, thinking about it, I do get it. I want to put a pen in it because I think this is going to come up again later when some other true freshmen come up on our list. And I think it's going to be an interesting parallel discussion then too. I, it, it's also hard because he's going to either him or CJ is going to drop and fall off a cliff in six months. While with any other true freshman that comes up on this list, they might drop, but they're not going to drop off a cliff like the quarterbacks will when we do this ranking again. But, but again, we're talking about dropping off a cliff. We're talking about in terms of their usage at Ohio State or maybe even their existence at Ohio State, but not what they are as football players. Now, but the other part of this is to some degree is like, again, as much as we're saying in recruiting rankings, it doesn't matter if you're blocked or not. There are like, like Matthew Baldwin didn't start until he was a senior. Mm-hmm. I think at Lake Travis because yep. he was blocked by a D one quarterback. So you might've said, Hey, our JV quarterback, our backup quarterback is legitimately one of the 25 best quarterbacks in the country, but he can't get on the field because the guy ahead of him is one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the country. And the result is Matthew Baldwin's recruiting ranking is lower. Yeah. So there it's still, the blocking still does have a factor in some ways we're just thinking of it differently. And so I, I, I know what you're saying, Nathan, but I think you also understand what, what Stephen and I are saying. And it's, it's just how you think about it with this. And it probably as much as you say, it is going to apply at other positions, Stephen, as you said, 
it's it's a little bit of this is specific to quarterback. Yeah, it, it's just it's hard with them when it's because it's you play or you don't. So you can't even if it is he might be a better football player than a linebacker who is who are also going to rank. But that linebacker is going to get to show he's a pretty good football player. That quarterback's not. But I think to your point, Nathan, if we were doing this exercise with the Georgia football team in 2018, that's exactly what I was. Where should Justin Fields have been on that list? Would somebody have said Justin Fields is the 45th best player at Georgia, or they would have been like, he's the 11th best player. He just has Jake from ahead of him. But I swear, I promise you, if he played, he'd be great. That's what you're saying. Well, and I would say uh, that that, that is definitely an example that just popped into my head before you said it. But also, I would say let's go back even one year at Ohio State. Obviously, Justin Fields would have been the number one guy on the list last year. But how high would we have put C.J. Stroud last year just based on his ceiling and knowing that there wasn't going to be an opportunity for him in 2020, but knowing what he could potentially do with an opportunity if he had it? I mean, you on a championship football team, you could say our 12th best player is our backup quarterback who never plays. Right. But I'm telling you, he's our 12th best football player. It's just a fact. Yeah. So I guess my dispute primarily is I don't think Kyle McCord is that yet because he's a true freshman and quarterback is hard. And, and I'm more... third in reps. That's a fair and, thing. To point and out. I think if I'm not mistaken, he threw his to the point of messing up. They're probably all throwing picks out there. But the last thing you guys saw on Monday was him throwing a pick. I, he had that, a couple... That's not. Who cares? Like, I mean, they've had a bunch of practices we haven't seen. Like, that's. I do think he is third on my true freshman, even though I have him 45th. Right. Ooh, I don't. Yeah. We'll have to. So that that's going to be interesting how we get into some of these true freshmen, too. Do they have to be here already? No, no, no. Cool. I don't think then, so. Yeah, oh. he's definitely not third amongst true freshmen for me. Yeah, that's interesting. He might not I... be top five. Yeah, no, there, there's a, now there's a guy I'm realizing I didn't rank that I probably should have based on that idea. Oh, well, we'll get to that when we get to it. Uh, all right, 21. Stephen, you said I led you into your guy. Who's your guy? Yeah, Taraja Mitchell. That's the – I'm really, really good, I promise you, but I've just been blocked. So I'm not saying explode All-American, but I think explode all Big Ten-level guys all out there on the table for a top 100 guy who just hasn't had an opportunity – he, I mean, he played 95 snaps last year, which was, which was the most outside of that big four who played every single meaningful snap. So what if the opportunity just turns into something and uh, 21 right now? I think he can rise. I had him 20th on my list. You're picking okay. him at 21. I also had him first of the linebackers. This is the first linebacker mm-hmm. off the board. So Nathan, was Taraja Mitchell your first linebacker? He was. He was. Um, there was one other person after McCord on my list, but then Mitchell was next. So the twenty first, I think, overall on my list. Okay. For so what we're it's all worth, in the same range. For what it's worth, and talking about my fluid list, I flipped him and Teron Vincent, which is okay. why Teron went before him. Okay. Okay. So Taraja Mitchell going twenty one to Stephen. I'll pick at twenty two, and I'm going to pick a guy who I'm anticipating as a starter, who showed something last year. Seems like people are relying on him and seems ready to go. So I'll take Matthew Jones at 22. Nathan, you're nodding. Yeah, he was a guy that I had ahead of Mitchell, but like same place, 2021. Sound right to you, Stephen? Yep, 23 for me. No problem with it whatsoever. Okay, so we don't have to. We're, we're assuming he's the fifth offensive lineman off the board. Yeah. 
Munford, regardless if he's left guard or sitter or not. Yes. Paris and Harry Miller and Matthew Jones, we're assuming is the fifth starter. So that's why he's here. All right. 23, Nathan. This is, it gets a little tricky at this stage because I don't, this guy may not be a starter right now. He was a starter last year, but starter almost gets an asterisk next to it based on usage. Um, but I also don't know that he's getting surpassed just because of how they line these guys up. I'm going to put Jamison Williams here at 23. Oh, he's definitely getting surpassed. I mean, he's not one of the top three receivers. Yeah, I, I understand, but it's. I think there's also. I, I I guess you would say he got surpassed by Jackson Smith and Jigba now. Yeah. So, but I have him as a fourth receiver on my list. Right. But right. he's lining up outside with the second team, like every snap that we saw the other day. That it's just Garrett's back outside. JSN's in the slot, and they're the top three guys. But he's the guys other talk about. Yeah, he was a starter last year. So, like, what do you do with him? He's he's around. He's here, but. I don't think he's going to start it anymore. And last year he did. So I, you're picking him 23. I had him 27th. So I, I think this is in the right range. Steven, what do you 20, think? Right range? Yeah. 24th for me. He, yeah. I think he's getting surprised because they didn't have to move Garrett back outside. They could have just done some 12 personnel stuff. And then Garrett and Chris would have just been on the field or they could have just moved him outside in certain snaps, but he could have started. They could have just started Garrett back in the slot and had the same three starting receivers if they wanted to. I think if they thought Jamison Williams was significantly better than Jackson Smith, the Jigba, Garrett Wilson would be in the slot. I mean, I think mm. it, it's, yeah, I, 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 you're probably right. It's, it's a little bit different because it's, it's the Jackson Smith, the Jigba in the slot versus Jamison Williams outside. And then the versatility of Garrett Wilson, like there's a lot of moving parts there, but what you're saying is correct. Essentially. Yeah. All right. So JMO goes 23, Steven, you're up at 24. All right, it's time for another true freshman to come off the board. Jack Sawyer. It's it's, it's time for him to come off. And he was in my top 25 anyway. Um, I mean, that's a guy where uh, we talked about it. He might end up being third on this team in defensive end snaps. And he just just might have the opportunity that guys like Chase and that Chase didn't have as a true freshman. And he just might do some things with it. Was the first freshman to lose his black stripe? Five-star guy. I mean. And also Chase Young as a freshman at Ohio State might have been one of their 20 best players. He just had to be their, their fifth defensive end, but he was probably one of their 20 best football players. So yeah. I'm here for it. You're picking him 24th. I had him 25th. There's one defensive lineman, a tackle that I still had ahead of him, but I have him ahead of the other ends. I think the point you're making is exactly right. Um, it makes sense. Nathan, does this seem right to you? Yeah, I have him 26th, somewhere in there. So mid-20s, it, it, it definitely in this range, yeah. Okay, and again, I don't know that he's going to get any lower. Like, <laughs> this is the probably the lowest he'll ever be on a list of best mm-hmm. players on an Ohio State football team. So Jack Sawyer can look back and say, I was disrespected by Buckeye Talk. They had me 25th, and then he'll be like, Eight, third, and first, like the next three Chase, times we rank guys. Chase just get on my nerves with that. 2018, he's walking around to the Big Ten Championship. They picked us fourth. They picked nobody picked y'all fourth, Chase. Okay. Nobody like did that. One ESPN Literally. number at one time had like a weird thing. Okay. Uh up to me for pick 25. And talking about sort of stacking guys. Uh, I'm going to take the second linebacker on my list. I had him stacked right behind the other guy. 
I'll take Dallas Gantt. I, I assume he's going to be the middle linebacker. I mean, I think if he's, if he's out this spring, which he is, and maybe it cracks the door a little bit. So I definitely, based on that, had him behind Taraja Mitchell. But again, we're sort of getting into this range of this group of guys that we're sort of expecting to start. There's still maybe four or five guys that we think we're calling them expected starters, but we just don't know much about them. So um, I actually had Dallas Gain ahead of Jack Sawyer, but like I understand not, having him ahead of Jack Sawyer. I'm picking him 25th. He was actually 21st on my list. Steven, where'd you have Dallas Gant? He's 29. That's because 30 is a guy I think might take his job just because he's not playing right now, which is Cody Simon, obviously. But We know you're on the Cody Simon corner. So that's still yeah. in the It's area. in the range, yeah. Nathan, what do you think of Dallas Gant here? He was my third linebacker, um, and he's like in the early 30s on my list, like 31 around in there, I think. Um so I, and part of it is just, you know, we're not getting to see him this spring. He's, he's one more that it's like, we're, we're going off of assumptions of where he's been. And, and, and I was, you know, as I talked about on this pod, I really impressed with him just from like an intangible standpoint. I think he's a guy who could be, be an important leader and all that stuff. Uh, but I'd like to be able to see him play. We're not going to get to do that at all this spring. We didn't get to see it in any of these clips. We're not going to get to see it on Saturday in the spring game. Yeah, I might be a little high here. I mean, I think the guy, the thing, the point you guys are making based on lack of availability at the moment certainly would have an effect on that. And I think Stephen again, it cracks the door on. Well, are we sure he's going to be the guy? So I, I, I might be a little high on him. Uh, Nathan, pick twenty six to you. I'm going to take another linebacker. I mean, he's he's the guy that I had next on my list. Um, I'm going to take Craig Young. He Great spot next- for him. He was next on my list too. I had the three linebackers right in a row, but you had young ahead of Gant. Nathan. Yes. Only because again, it's sort of the spring thing of like, which one's actually out there playing and building some juice or whatever. And which one just can't play right now. That's almost probably completely explains the separation of those guys. Uh, I mean, young, if, if you had gone back to the end of the season, I probably would have had Gant higher but which one's out there like actually building. And I think it's important too, that young starts to give real crystallization to what they might be doing with that hybrid linebacker position in a way that, you know, we talked about it before with court Williams and we talked about how, well, that's essentially what Pete Werner was doing, but like now it's like, no, this is a guy who is sort of being maybe developed into being that sort of singular thing that they want to use in the defense. And that also pushes them, I think, a little bit higher up the list for me. And, and Stephen, you said also you had Craig Young ahead of Dallas Gant. I did. He was number 26. I mean, I, we just called him a linebacker, but he's working with the safeties. So Nathan is correct. The, the bullet is obviously becoming, a, at least from practices, is obviously starting to become a part of what this defense is and it's no longer just a talking head for, for things. We're, we're picking him 26 here. I mean, the idea that Craig Young could be like the seventh best player on the defense, right? And mm-hmm. be in our top 20, you know, at some point. I think, I think that, that feels like it's out there. It is. We'll have to see how much that position plays, how much he's on the field. But he has a chance to do something. I think he's an interesting guy. Uh, I think we're all sort of around the same area here, right? Steven, 27 to you. So I put Marcus Williams in here. He was number 25 on my list. Like I said, I had him in uh, what's called a back-to-back on my list, 24 and 25. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's going to have a role, even if it's 
Uh, right now, he's a slot corner, but even if it ends up being something similar to what he was at the end of the season as that just second single high safety when you're playing teams who are passing threats, he's going to have a role, and he's a top 30 player on this team, you know, even if, you know, he maybe falls into closer to 30 by the time we get to the year and get to the end of the season. This is right where I had him. You're picking him 27th. I had him 26th. Like, uh, open – open to the idea of this is disrespect for a guy who played a boatload of snaps last year and played a couple different positions open to that idea. But yet when we talk about it, we also talk about, you know, he was in a secondary that wasn't as good as it should have been. And he was one of the guys that played a lot. So is he going to keep playing? He's hard to rank. Uh, I, 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 you're at a point. I don't think you could go much lower than this. You know, I mean, you're really going to put a guy who's played starter snaps last year, like 35th. I, I don't think so, but we might be underrating him. I don't know. Nathan, is this about where you had him? It's it's yeah, roughly the same range. There's one guy I had ahead of him that hasn't been picked, but I think around 29, 28, something like that. And I, I think it's fair. This is the this is the thing I was discussing before. Like Seven Banks and Marcus Williamson both had starting jobs last year, but for different reasons, I thought. I thought Seven Banks went out and proved himself. He's ready to be a Big Ten defensive back starting defensive back or an Ohio state starting defensive back, even more importantly, right? Cause that's a different standard that we're holding guys to. I never really felt that way about Marcus Williamson. If he's hearing this, he would probably be insulted by that, but it really felt like, especially once Cam Brown got hurt, that it, they didn't really have other options. And if they'd, and, and when some options started to emerge, like you wonder if this season had been three games longer, would he have been, the, the reps have started to whittle away even more t- for some of these younger guys to getting more opportunities. Cause th- we all talk, I mean, it's just a few weeks ago where we were talking about how plausible it was that maybe Cam Martinez just arrives this season and starts taking snaps away. We're talking about Lathan Ransom taking snaps away. Like it, you, it's easy to see a world. Like I have him right here in this range. I'm not really arguing. He shouldn't be picked in this range, but he's maybe the guy that I have in this range that I think I might have a, that he might just naturally fall down this list only because other guys, younger guys start proving themselves more. No, I think, I think that's right. I think we're all viewing him the same way. And, and listen, man, go, go out Marcus Williamson and prove that you're one of the 20 best players on this team and that we disrespected you and, and we'll move you up. So I think, I think this feels right though, for Steven to pick him at 27. I think there's one guy left who's like a sure starter. I think like maybe sure starter is the wrong word, but I think, think this guy will start against Minnesota? Maybe that's wrong, but it's Antoine Jackson at nose. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, if you if they if they trot out Teron Vincent and Haskell Garrett as the two interior defensive linemen, I won't be shocked. But you know, I had him twenty third. I'm picking him here twenty eighth, and I think there's a little bit of a line here. Of to me, everybody else I have after him is sort of like now we're sort of like in backup could they jump up range where it's like, we know Antoine Jackson at the very least is a primary part of the defensive tackle rotation at the worst. And we think he's probably a starter. So I'll take him 28th. What do you think, Nathan? He was the guy that I mentioned that I had ahead of, of Marcus Williamson. I would have taken him over Marcus Williamson, but same range. Steven, where'd you have him? He was 28 for me, and I think he is – you're saying there is a fine line. I think he just might be the line where it's, yeah, you're a starter, but it's like, okay, yeah, you're a starter because someone's got to start there. But I think there is a huge drop-off between what Haskell Garrett is, what Teron Vincent might be, and what Antoine Jackson is or might be. 
Yeah, he does play a position where even if you don't start, you play. Yeah. Right. I mean, if it was like, well, they're going to play two defensive tackles and the third guy is never going to play unless somebody gets hurt, then maybe we view him differently. But he's going to rotate. He's going to play. He's going to play 500 snaps this year, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Or 400 snaps, right? I mean, a 380 snaps. So, um, and now I just, there's a couple more rotational guys, I guess, still in here. But I do think this is, this is a line. This is mm-hmm. a little bit of a line to me. So, Nathan, we're at pick 29. Who you got? It, it really feels like a line to me, actually. And now the next guy I have on my list, and I hemmed and hawed about this, um, it, it's just somebody that I, I, I think I was wrong about. And I, I, I was wrong about what his ceiling might be. I don't think I'm wrong about what his role could be. But if we're just going again, pound for pound, and somebody who maybe is getting a little bit of juice by how they're getting used in the opportunity this spring, I put Mayan Williams here. He was out there at practice. He was like first in line of the running backs. And so we're taking him here as the third back behind Henderson and Teague. And Teague was not at the portion of practice we saw yesterday. So he was there last time either. So that's a thing to keep in mind. So, but he's out there and he just looks a little different. He's got that powerful lower body. You're picking him at 29. I had him 35, but. Like, I'm not disputing having him here. Steven, what do you think of Mayan Williams here? Yeah, he's in the mid-30s for me, but I think the best way to look at Mayan Williams is he's a quality backup running back. I mean, if that's your change of pace, I mean, prime example, Clemson game, I mean, he came in, had two or three good runs and set up a 56-yard touchdown pass. If that's his role here, I mean, he can be a star in that role as your change up running back. So uh, mid-30s, I don't have a problem with you picking him at 29, though. And I think the tricky thing, too, sometimes when we talk about guys and we're going to rank based on role, like it's like there were like look at last year's team. Like there were guys who were like third at their position who were better than starters at other positions, especially starters on defense. Right. That was a problem this team had. So you have to kind of keep that in mind as you're ranking guys like it's okay to say this guy is kind of buried on the depth chart a little bit. Um, but we can't just put a starter ahead of him just because that guy's starting like he's got a. it's more about evaluating the talent. I guess my other question, and we, we need to pick up the pace a little bit, but Nathan, do you think that like mine Williams at his best at Ohio state is like significantly better than master Teague? Or is that, I'm not saying they're the exact same running back, or is that the level that like, if mine Williams got to play a lot in his third or fourth year, like, is that kind of what he would do now? Again, master Teague ran for a hundred yards, a couple of games. He was productive. He just wasn't top tier. Hey, I, I am higher on Teague than I think the general public is and, and have a higher appreciation. And I think if he got to that level, I mean, because that's what Master Teague has has been. He's just been forced into a diff- was forced into a different role by circumstance a little bit last year. But we've always said Master Teague, great backup running back. And I think there's something to be said for aspiring to that. It's it's a it's a to attain that level at Ohio State in the Big Ten. I think that means something. I think his ceiling is what Master Teague did in 2019 as J.K. Dobbins to J.K. to Trayvon Henderson's J.K. Dobbins, where it's one's flirting with records and the other one is a third team all Big Ten guy just because he's getting so many snaps at the end of the game and taking advantage of them. If you said that aliens had abducted Master Teague and that Travion Henderson was going to be the starting running back and Mayan Williams was going to be the backup running back who does cool get that. eight carries a game, I'd be fine. Yeah. I don't think they'd be quite as good, but I don't think it, I don't think it would be much of an issue. So we're taking Mayan Williams here at 29. Master Teague went 17. 
just as a comparison, but I do think like there's a world where it's like, all right, well, if Mayan Williams develops into a good solid sort of either backup running back or co-running back or something at Ohio state, he might be one of the 20 best players on the team. And we're taking him at 29 and he just got here. So that's pretty good for him. All right, Steven pick 30 is to you. Yeah. Cody Simon. He's number 30 right behind Dallas Gant, who was 29 on my list. I just think, that's a top 100 guy who's getting an extended look because the guy we think is going to be a starter is not practicing. And I think he turns that into a starting job and then he's pretty solid in that role. That's the Mike linebacker. He's not on my list, which I probably is an oversight, but you own this corner. Mm. Um, It's possible. He's also just like a backup linebacker, which is fine. Um, Nathan, what do you think of Cody Simon here? It's higher than I have him um, by several spots. Um, uh, but I, I, again, it's not like, I, I mean, looking at, he looks the part out there at practice. I will say that. And we don't know exactly what Dallas Gantt's situation will be when the season starts. I mean, they, they say he'll be good to go for the off season, but just definitely something to, to keep in mind as they look for versatility in that linebacker room and look for like, you know, uh, being multiple is, is there a role for him, even if he's not a starter um, it's, it's something that's, that's worth at least keeping in mind. Feels a little high to me, but it's definitely an oversight by me to not have him on there. So, okay. 30 for Cody Simon. We'll come back after this. We'll finish up the last 21 picks in our draft of the 51 best Ohio state football players right now. We're going to go about a minute per guy from here on out. So we'll pick it up. Thanks for joining us on Buckeye talk. Read cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop a review for Buckeye Talk at the Apple Podcast if you be would be so kind. Again, uh, we'll have a couple more spring football game previews this week. And then Saturday, we will not drop a podcast Saturday morning because we will do a podcast right after the spring game on Saturday afternoon, and that will be the Saturday podcast. So it won't be there at the normal time, but it will be thick and juicy and full of information based on what we see in the spring game. So get ready for that. We appreciate you guys listening. I have pick 31 and I'm taking Cam Martinez. What we talked about, like the, he might, he's a guy, his name has come up. He now leaps to the head of the pack of like cornerbacks who haven't really played. I have him higher than Ryan Watson, Legends Cavazos. He had a couple picks they showed on a highlight film. It seems like he's doing some things. He's the fourth cornerback off the board here. I'll take him at 31. Steven, what do you think? I have no problem with that. I think whenever we picked the corner next, he needed to be the next one to come off the board because yeah, he's ahead of what legend and Ryan are right now. And then there are some guys who just aren't here, even if they have high ceilings. Nathan, what do you think? You know, I had him a little bit lower and I think I probably had him too low. Um, But I understand like, again, it's a guy who's flashing things right now. And, and that, deserves recognition as opposed to guys who maybe have more certain roles even, but are, are not doing anything of that, that catches people's eye. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The guy's got a chance to move up for sure. Maybe it's a little high now, but he's got a chance to move up. Uh, Steven. No, Nathan. Nathan 32. Ooh. Um, all right, this is another maybe boring one. I'm just going to take Tyler Friday here, a guy who has been around a long time. Um, I know he's a rotational guy at defensive end and doesn't have the upside of the other defensive ends, but has 
had starting opportunities in the past as they roll those guys around. And I think sometimes we, um, we, we, we don't give enough credit to someone just being really steady for a long time. When you're talking about this range of the, of a draft like this. He's the guy I'd, I had next also. Mm-hmm. Steven, does it sound right to you? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. That's who we had. Steven, you're up at 33. This is hard because he's not contact. So I don't know how to gauge it, but I think right now we are, are, are entering. Is he going to be a bus territory? And I don't think that's the right way to look at him. And that's Julian Fleming. I think he is a second string wide receiver who is non-contact. So right now he's just working with the threes, but I think by the time we get to the fall, he'll be in that second unit as the outside receiver. So I made a note of this to the texters and then the texters were saying, Oh, multiple people responded and said, Hey, like he's, he has some injury issues that he's coming back from Steven. What, what are we dealing with here with Julian Fleming? I, I just know he's been non. The, when I went to practice, he was non. He was going through drills. I think he was with the second unit when I peeked over there for a little minute. But then when they went and just started to do contact stuff outside, he stayed inside with the non-contact people. But this is the number one wide receiver in the country for regardless of how they were being used last year. He was the second string Z behind Chris Olave, and I, I know that didn't mean that much in 2020. But the point of the matter is, he was a second string wide receiver, and I have no reason to believe he is still not that this year when he's healthy. So he was with, I mean, it is, he was with the third team. Like he was doing the stuff that the first and second team guys were doing at least for part of it, but he was with the third team. Okay. So he wasn't doing nothing on Monday. So I may have evaluated it incorrectly. There was definitely another section where he was sort of sitting on the side on his knee, but Marvin Harrison, uh, Amekek Buka and Jamison Williams were the second string wide receivers behind okay. the first string guys when we watched Monday, but it's not like Julian Fleming did nothing. So, so it's hard. We Ryan day wasn't specifically asked about it after Monday. It's probably time to ask. I mean, we're going to get some more information when we mm-hmm. talked, we're supposed to get receivers this week. We're going to get Brian Hartline. It's good to have that. I, I, I just may be misviewing it. We're going to get to Mars Harrison Jr. He feels like he's taking advantage of an opportunity a little bit at the moment. As a true freshman, he was the first true freshman to get his stripe off. Marvin Harrison is influencing my opinion of Julian Fleming, maybe unfairly, if Julian Fleming is not full go. So I don't dispute this. You're picking him at 33. I had him at 38. He's not a starter. And, Correct. And Jamison Williams, I think, is the fourth guy. So I don't think he's anything more than their number five receiver at the moment. And then what does that mean in terms of playing time and production and all those things? It might be all injury related. And as soon as he's full go in August, he'll be blowing people away and demanding to get on the field. I don't know. This felt like a hard evaluation to me, like in trying to factor in production potential and injury I didn't know where to go. So I got, I landed on 38. I think you picking him at 33, Steven feels exactly right. Nathan, what do you think of Julian Fleming? Yeah, I've got him um, on my list. He was like same, same range, like, you know, mid thirties. And I I have him higher than, I mean, I have him higher than Marvin Harrison jr. Even though Marvin Harrison jr. Has has been the one that has a little bit of, of juice right now. But I think that is, it's not like Julian Fleming didn't get on the field at all last year. It's not like he didn't make some good plays when he had an opportunity, but he just didn't 
um, shine in the same way that Jackson Smith and Jigba did. And it's that direct comparison somewhat that affects how we rank him a little bit, or at least how I, I, I'm cognizant of that being in my head more than just evaluating Julian Fleming unto himself. The problem is in that Big Ten championship game, he had four catches, but they were just fine. Nothing about it screamed, oh, that was the number one wide receiver in the country. While with freshmen, they always have a loud moment, right? When they're five stars, even if it's just one moment, it's a loud moment. Paris Johnson had his, Jackson had his. He just never had his loud moment that made yep. you go, that's why he was a five star. And that, so it's throwing off our evaluation now that he's going through some injuries and he's also not even with the second unit anymore. It's this happens all the time in recruiting, recruiting, and then we still allow ourselves to do it anyway because it's what recruiting is about. We, there's no need to apologize for it. But that receiver recruiting class in 2020, it's like they have four top receivers. It's like, what are they going to do? They can't play them all. And it's like, here we are by year two, and they are four completely different paths. Mookie Cooper transferred. G. Scott is changing positions. Jackson Smith Najigba is a starter. And Julian Fleming is a little bit of a question mark. He's not, he's in between, you know, like you think he still might be good. It's plenty early, but he also hasn't seized a job. Like, and there are four completely different paths and it's always the way it works. And yet every time in recruiting, you always assume, well, they're all going to be all big 10. How are they going to fit them all in the field? And it just works itself out. So, but Julian Fleming, it's the most unclear. At the moment, and, you know, G Scott's changing positions. We don't know if it'll stick or whatever, but at least there's like a plan, right? Everybody kind of has a plan. You don't exactly know what Julian Fleming's plan is, unless the plan is wait for Chris Olave to leave and start in his third year, which would be fine, which would be completely normal, except he was the number one receiver recruit in the country. So it makes it hard. So this feels right. It's a good pick at 33. I'll go at 34, make a much more boring pick. I had these guys stacked. I'll take Javante Jean-Baptiste. I had him one spot below Tyler Friday. He's a rotational guy. It's time for him to go. He's the ninth defensive lineman off the board. Um, You know, I Jack Sawyer ahead of him, but I'll take him at 34. Anybody argue that? It's higher than I had him, but it's in the range. I might have put an, another defensive lineman in front of him, but yeah, no problem with it. Nathan, you're up at 35. I'm going to take Cade Stover here, um, and this is certainly a pick based more on his all-around footballness than how good of a tight end that I know he is right now. But a guy who can sort of star for you on special teams has some juice, has some value, and I, I am seeing things in practice that lead me to believe he's, he's coming along and, and building some reliability as that second tight end. You're picking him at 35. I had him at 34. I agree. Steven, what do you think? Yeah, no problem here. Mid-30 guy for me. Second tight end when they want to go, when they want a blocker out there. I mean, he's definitely the second tight end. And, like, yeah. he caught one ball, at least that we saw on Monday, right? It's not like they never throw to him. So, and he caught it when they threw it to him in the middle of the field. So, um, all right, Steven, 36. As I said, I would have had one defensive lineman in front of Javante Jean Baptiste, and it would have been Jerron Cage. And so that's what I'm going to pick here. He's going to be in that interior lineman rotation. He's going to play, have some type of impact. Item 42, maybe that's too low. I, I don't disagree. Nathan, what do you think of this? No, I had him right around 34. There's only one guy I had higher on my list to take right here. All right. So that's pick 36. Cage, I'm going to go back to linebacker at pick 37. 
Um, he still might have a role. We don't know exactly. Kayvon Pope. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, there was a time when he and Taraja Mitchell and, and Dallas Gantt were all fought up together. They were that recruiting class together. They're all fourth year guys. It feels like maybe he's a little behind the way we think of him now, just because of Craig Young's emergence and with what they're asking guys to do. But I still have him as my fourth linebacker. So I had him at number 31 and I'll take him here at 37. Kayvon Pope. Stephen, what do you think? I don't hate it. I think a little bit lower. I had him in the in the early 40s just because, I mean, he played 17 snaps last year. And when there may have been an open window for him to get on the field, they just I think they moved uh, Justin Hilliard over and just played him there. Yeah, he was mad. He tweeted. He was upset about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think he might right now I put him in the mid 40s, but I think he might drop and might not even be on the list by the time we get to the season. He's in that. He he, he's in danger of being one of those guys who just gets passed and may have to figure out a way to get on the field in in another way. I might have him. Nathan, am I a little high here with him? You're higher than I have him. I have him like mid forties. And part of it is just like, there's some other guys who I think might also be part-time or depth guys, but I just maybe see a a bigger potential for them to make an impact. And they've, I mean, and they did a little bit more last year too. I might be hanging on, sort of like a year and a half ago expectation of Kayvon Pope that's still sort of influencing my view of him. Uh, 38 to you, Nathan. I'm going to take Dewan Jones. That's um, exactly what I like when we line up. That's exactly who I have next. Big guy, obviously, but versatile. <laughs> and someone who, and I love his personality. What isn't, what isn't there to love about Dewan Jones? Just a, a fun guy to watch play football and uh, really intrigued by, again, just the long term, if he sticks with it and that opportunity finally opens for him to actually play, which could happen as early as next year. I guess it could happen as early this year if, if you know, something bad happens as far as injuries. We don't think he's a starter right now, but a, a, a guy who makes his team better in, a, in multiple ways. And I think we're, we're, he's the sixth offensive lineman off the yeah. board for us. I think he's their sixth best offensive lineman. Like, I think that's right. Steven, you agree with that? I do agree with that, especially right now. I I, I think some things might happen this summer, but as of right now, yes, he is their sixth offensive lineman. And Ryan Day, because on Monday, Nicholas petit Frere again, was not at practice. Short-term thing, he's fine. But Dewan Jones was the starting right tackle with Nicholas petit Frere out. And Ryan Day was asked about, well, why did you not move Paris Johnson to right tackle and do something else with your first team? And he was like, yeah, we kind of want to keep Paris at guard, but – I also think it's because they trust Dewan Jones and Dewan Jones has been on the field at times. And so, you know, I think again, if Nicholas Petit Frere was abducted by aliens, I really think they probably would move Paris Johnson to tackle full time. But Ryan Day also said Dewan Jones can play guard. Now he's a really big dude to play guard, but I think they trust him. And so he's like a trustworthy backup who I think still potentially projects as a starter, Nathan in his career. I think that he's still yeah. maybe on that path. So I think it's a good pick here. And it, it's tough because I think if they had to win a game yesterday, I think Nicholas Petit for my, or um, Paris Johnson might've been a right tackle, but they, yeah. they didn't need to win a game yet. They need to win one in August and, or September and after that. And to, the best way to do that is to develop Paris Johnson as a guard. And I think that's why he was getting, why they didn't move him yesterday. Steven pick 39 to you. Ryan Watts. Um, he was number 40 on my list. Um, which, so 39 is a, a, a quality spot for him to go in. He's just getting a lot of quality reps, man. There are a lot of secondary guys who are not playing. 
right now. They're not practicing. And so he's getting some quality reps. He showed some things in that Rutgers game where he was pretty quality as well. I mean, we're, we're penciling in Cam Brown into that spot, but I'll also leave open room where the same thing happens there that I think might happen with Dallas Canton, Cody Simon, where what if Ryan Watts just gets all these extra reps and he's awesome in them and he ends up t- stealing somebody's job. Adam 43rd, but I'll, I'll buy that argument. Probably 43 now sounds low to me to pick him at 39. Nathan feels like a good pick. Yeah. I mean, a, a smidge higher than I had him, but I was really, you know, it just happened yesterday at practice, just like looking over there at the DBs and being like, from afar and being like, Oh man, Ryan Watts has some size on him. Like, I, I think there could be something there. I mean, if he, if I, I'm, he's one of the guys that I may, we'll talk about this later this week on the pod, I think, but one of the guys I'm most eager to see on Saturday. All right. Pick 40 to me. This guy was with the ones again on Monday. Not again, but I mean, like he's another guy who was with the ones on Monday. It's Luke Weipler was the starting center and Matthew Jones was the number two center for a couple reps, at least on Monday. I, I don't think that means anything in particular, but you know, Matthew Jones, we project as the fifth offensive lineman as the other starter there. You know, I don't, I don't know if Luke Weipler could make a move. So, you know, I think I, he's only a second year guy, but he was a big time recruit. Um, he was 33 on my list and I'm taking him here at 40. Steven, what do you think of Weipler? He's high on your list. He's much higher on your list than he is on mine. Uh, let's. I'm just going to go. There's, there's four true freshmen on my list, and the third one that's on my list where I had in this exact spot at 41 was Donovan Jackson, just because, for one, that tape looks amazing. He's going through the Harry Miller experiment of, I'm not here, but I'm here on a Zoom call every time we meet, so he'll be caught up, which is why Harry Miller ended up being the number two center as a freshman. I think Donovan Jackson will be a, a number two guy. He'll probably be the seventh or eighth best offensive lineman. And if it comes down to it, if Harry Miller gets hurt, you slide over Matthew Jones and to being your center and Donovan. I wouldn't be surprised if Donovan Jackson's on the field. So Luke Weipler was like a top 50 national recruit as well. He's a second year guy, but you think Donovan Jackson just projects potentially a a level above Weipler. I do. Yeah. I think that's a guy that if the room wasn't as deep as it is right now, I I mean, I have a story up on cleveland.com right now. Can Donovan Jackson come steal a job as a true freshman? I mean, he's that talented. But did you note how many times that has happened? With I did. Freshman on the offensive line? Yeah. And how many times has it happened? Once. Michael Jordan. Yeah, because they had nobody. That was right. like – that yeah. like, That's what I'm saying. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. If it was a similar situation, just like with Paris last year, he's going to – so I, the, the real example is Paris Johnson, where he's going to get here and he'll at least be in a competition, even if he ends up losing it. Steve or Nathan, what do you think about Weipler here? Am I too high here? You're higher than I had him um, just because I, I think he actually, like Steve was saying, I think he's probably still third among centers. He'd be the third choice probably behind both Miller but, and Jones. But they both, but, but if we assume, okay, if we assume that Jones, Miller, and Johnson are the three starting interior linemen, even taking Donovan Jackson into account, I still think it's very possible that, Next up among interior offensive linemen is Luke Weipler. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Then I like if it's it's is it is Jackson or Weipler, I think. I mean, like Josh Fryer is probably in there as like a guard tackle guy. Maybe Enoch Vamahi, but like I think Weipler's ahead of them. And so, you know, I think it's possible, like if there was an interior offensive line injury early in the season, that Weipler's the answer and he's on the field. So um 
the Donovan Jackson thing is interesting, but I, I had him 33rd and I'm picking him 40th. I definitely feel okay about him being 40th. Maybe that he's 33rd on my list is a little high, but that, I feel okay I about this. To. I, I think, yeah, I think yeah. this range is okay for him. Yeah. 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 All right, Nathan, you're up next at 41. This is another one that I think is a, a little bit maybe on the boring side. And it was someone who, who definitely made his presence known last year and it kind of had a moment. And I, I just don't know if it turns into a, big role this year but just in terms of what i thought he showed as a football player i'm gonna put ronnie hickman here you're picking 41. him 41 i had him 40th and i and i think there's a chance that he's more important than this steven is this reasonable to you he was 41 on my list no problem with it whatsoever again a little bit of a hard evaluation like a yeah. top 150 national player who's been on the field a little bit but hasn't broken through and I don't know. Like there's opportunities in the secondary. Maybe he breaks through. I think there's a like Ronnie Hickman, right? Could go anyway. He could fall off this list. The next time we do it, he could be 24. The next time we do it, or he might be right here. I just, it's, it's a little bit hard there. We're getting in the area where it's, it's hard to get a read a little bit, but I think this is a good pick at 41, Nathan, uh, 42, Steven for you. Yeah. This is where I'm going to put Jonathan Jackson right here. And we just had a whole spill about us. So we don't have to do it again. Did you have Donovan Jackson in your top 50, Nathan? Barely. I just, I just missed it, I guess. I, I didn't, I mean, like we said everybody, so he's not yeah, here. But yeah, he's not here, out of sight, out of mind. So I understand why if he's not on your list. It's... But is he, is he much higher on your list than Kyle McCord is? No, he's no, he's not. No, they're in the, the Kyle McCord is going to be in, is in this range for me. I just think the opportunity for you know Donovan Jackson to cash in on this ranking and maybe even be higher, there's a better chance of that than Kyle McCord right now. Okay, I mean, this is where we start talking about true freshmen. This is yeah. where we'll have to talk about how many true freshmen made the list in the end. This is our third, third true freshman, Jack Sawyer, Kyle McCord, and Donovan Jackson so far. Uh, and that's pick 42. I'll go at 43, and I'm going to take the guy that I continue to talk about. He's hurt. It's hard to evaluate. People were all over him a year ago, and I'm going to take Court Williams and sort of anticipate that when he gets healthy, he moves up. But also, Craig Young seems to be taking some of the Court Williams juice, which is what happened. So I had him at 36. I'll take him at 43. I definitely think he needs to be in the top 50 because we just, he just never got a chance to show what he could be. And he was a guy that people talked about. So like Steven, do you think he definitely deserves to be in the top 50? The mid forties is a safe spot to put him. Gives him room to grow, but you're not putting too much stock into something that even though we think it might happen, we've actually never seen it. Never seen. What do you think about this, Nathan? Yeah, I mean, I, I had him lower. I had him down in the, the 50s. But, again, it's just because I, I still have not seen this guy play football. It, so it is really all more theoretical. And it's more theoretical even than Craig Young is at this point. Oh, much more theoretical, for right. sure. Right, for sure. Uh, all right, Nathan, 44 to you. I mean, I, I guess I'll just keep doing it. I'm going to put Jack Miller here. I think we're – Did you pick all I, three I just, of the quarterbacks? I guess I did. <laughs> I was yeah. the one willing to, to stick my neck out a little bit. I just feel like a guy, and I know that where he ended up in his high school recruitings because of the or rankings, I should say, because of the injuries. But I also know where he was at one point. Again, just like in, in a vacuum, if you're talking about a, a guy who was like a borderline, what, like top 50 
recruit as a quarterback. Um, I, I, I think we are sometimes in some of these cases taking guys with like Ronnie Hickman, the guy I took ahead of him. Like I, you could make a case that Jack Miller should be ahead of Ronnie Hickman too. Just so in terms I, of pure ceiling talent as a football player and, and an impact they could have on a team. So I don't dispute this. You're picking him at 44. I actually had Jack Miller at 39 because I had Jack Miller as my second quarterback because the only time I've seen practice, he was second. So I don't know, but I had him ahead of McCord. So you're taking him as a third quarterback. Steven, do you have McCord higher or Miller higher? I have Miller higher because I've, I mean, I've seen him throw more than once because I've only been to one practice and I got to see Jack Miller throw during warmups all last year and then a practice before the world shut down. So, yeah, Jack Miller was in my late 40s and Kyle McCord's in my 50s. Okay, I mean, I I, we're kind of on the same page here. I think this makes sense. We're really getting into some there's some high upside just have not seen anybody Mm -hmm. guys. Right. So, I mean, to put a quarterback here in that range, I think makes a ton of sense. Uh, Forty five. Um, Steven to you, Marvin Harrison was the first true freshman to lose his black stripe. And so he needs to be mentioned here. And he was the last true freshman I had on my list of like non quarterbacks, obviously you're taking him 45. I had him 37. I had him one spot ahead of Julian Fleming because I just thought he looked like a dude yeah, <laughs> for he does. 15 minutes. And again, it's the, you've never done anything. I'm only viewing you with upside and potential. And he got his, he was the first guy to get his black stripe off. And as much as, as much as like trivia, this is a great class, right? I mean, we know this is a great freshman class, but I, at least me. And again, I'm, I'll admit my faults, Buckeye talk. Like I, I didn't exactly have Marvin Harrison on the same plane in my head of Jack Sawyer, Travion Henderson, Kyle McCord, Donovan Jackson, right? And he's right up there. But when Marvin Harrison was the first freshman to get his black stripe removed, it caught my eye in a way that if it had been Trayvon Henderson or Jack Sawyer first, right? I would have just been like, well, of course, like, right? Like that's, and so that meant something. And then to follow that up with you go out to practice and the guy is out there running with the twos and making catches. And I... We're picking him at 45. I think he could be even higher. I don't know. Maybe it maybe it makes you feel like a crazy person. But Jackson Smith Najigba was ready last year, right? And Stephen, you asked Ryan Day kind of a good question. I, I don't know that Ryan Day went exactly where you thought he was going to go, but he gave a good answer in general still of like the difference between being a talented player and a highly rated recruit and being ready to go right away. Jackson Smith Najigba played at a high level in Texas and was ready to go right away. Marvin Harrison playing with Kyle McCord at St. Joseph's prep in Philadelphia. They're playing high level football. The guy's dad is an NFL superstar. He might be ready to go. He might be the Jackson Smith, the Jigba of this freshman class that he gets on the field and makes a couple catches that make you say, Hey, so I think he has to be in the top 50. And I had him even a little higher, a little higher than this. Nathan, what do you think of Marvin Harrison here? Yeah, I have him 40th. He was the next guy on my list. And uh, just, again, one of those spring things, right? Guy seems to really be making some moves this spring. And uh, where you talked before that the the black stripes can't mean nothing. And even if they are giving them out more liberally than it seemed like they're giving them out in the past, it said something to me that he was the first offensive guy ahead of Trevion Henderson, ahead of Kyle McCord. I mean, ahead of he was the first one. He acts like a pro already. 
And that's a result of your hall, your dad's a hall of fame wide receiver. The fact that he's getting up at six, you know, doing all that stuff. And yeah, that's just working hard. You do what you, but those are pro type actions. And that's what he's doing. And he does like, if he's the Jackson Smith, the Jigba, even with is a Mecca Ibuka, you know, the Julian Fleming as once again, the number one wide receiver in the country who also didn't play football this past year and played in Washington which quality football, but he's not playing at a national powerhouse the way that, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. was at St. Joe. I have never talked to Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't, I don't know anything about him. But like very, the very idea, quiet. is he? Yeah, very quiet. So maybe this is a bad comparison. But the idea of like there are people in your family who will know what it means to be a pro. Like it's Michael ja- Michael Thomas with his Keyshawn Johnson as his uncle. Like Michael Thomas was a pro when he got here, mm-hmm. and he was a pro every day at Ohio State, and then he finally actually became a pro. I, I wonder if like Marvin Harrison Jr. like is on that track of like, I mean, there was when he got his black stripe off, there was a baseball coach for Ohio State who like tweeted out how Marvin Harrison Jr. had been out there at 6 a.m. every day working out. And this baseball coach saw him and was like, this guy, if you, you, you don't know how hard this guy's working. And if he's just like on a mission and he knows how to carry himself and he's ready to go, maybe we're seeing just the very, very early signs of that. So I'm overhyping him probably. But that's okay. It's spring. Pick 46. This is another guy that I think we've talked about this spring. It's Josh Fryer. Wait, didn't you I, just pick? No, no, no that was me. I went Marvin. Right. Sorry. I, mean, I, I would have picked Marvin Harrison was next on my list. I, I, would, I think we all would have picked him. We were oh, all gotcha. agreed that he was the next guy up. So I'll take Josh Fryer, who, again, was working a little bit with the first team. Uh, that first team offensive line on Monday, Thayer Munford was at left tackle. Paris Johnson was at right guard. But neither Nicholas Petit Frere nor Harry Miller were fully practicing. So Josh Fryer was a left guard instead of Harry Miller. So I think he's he's up. Like he's in, he's clearly separated himself from that other group of guys in his class we've talked about before. You know, I think he's a solid second teamer who maybe now projects as a potential in another two years. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he's a starting offensive lineman, but you could see him at least be having a role in the two deep. So I'll take Fryer here. Stephen, what do you think? I like it. Solid spot. I mean, at this point, we're we're talking about two freshmen and we're talking about second stringers who, if somebody goes down, might get a might pop up for a game and they might have a quality game. Josh Fryer fits that. So I like it. Nathan, what do you think? I think he even slides up a little bit with Max Ray entering the transfer portal because that Max Ray mm-hmm. was a guy who started a right tackle last year against Michigan State and was a guy who you thought maybe was next in line for one of those tackle spots if something were to happen. But now Fryer with his versatility seems like he's he is like right behind some of these other guys we've taken as far as where he could help this offensive line. Yeah, they have options. He's he's a tackle or guard option, and I think I think that'll that'll help him. Uh, Forty-seven to you, Nathan. Uh, Legend Cavazos. That was going to be my next pick. And it, that, my, my next pick little, too. It seems a little low almost. And maybe the fact yeah. that we're all like thinking he needs to go maybe says that. I don't know how much lower he should be than Ryan Watts. I don't think it's any necessarily a reflection on where they are right now that there's some separation between those two, like of like eight picks on our list. I think they're still fairly close in my mind. I had them right next to each other on my list. I also had them right next to each other on my list. Yep. No, I like that pick. Yeah. Same, no, same, same reasons as for Wine Rots. He's getting reps this spring, and he might turn it into something. 
Um, and we think, and we think he might be a dude. Right? We yeah. think it, we oh, think yeah. he's he's on dude watch. Maybe just not yet this year, but he's on dude watch. He is of the guys for the sake of how we're doing this exercise. Whereas there's some guys who might be really low and they might just shoot up the rankings. That guy's recruiting ranking is very low for what he is as a natural athlete. And I think yep. some of that is they weren't sure what position he was going to play between safety and corner. He started playing corner his senior year to get ready to get here. That guy, I mean, that kid's fast. He's got all the instincts you want. Um, he's been around elite athletes his entire life. That is a very low, an underrated football player. All right, 48 to you, Stephen. Ty Hamilton. I think he might find his way into this defensive tackle rotation, and he's been brought up a lot between now and when he actually got here last. I think he was an early enrollee, if I'm not mistaken. But he was being brought up a lot last fall camp, and he's been brought up a little bit this point. I think he might be making some moves there. I did not have him in my top 51. Nathan, did you have him? Um, just outside my top 51. That's three guys taken so far, not in my top 51, and they're all taken by Steven, which might mean <laughs> that Steven knows more about this football team than I do. Uh, 49 to me. And again, based on what I saw at practice on Monday, it was so great. I didn't realize, I haven't gone, again, we talked about it. It's like, we're all starting to get back out there, right? I mean, you see people are talking about how many shots do you have? Do you have your second yet? Do you get for whatever? So I'm getting my second backs on Friday, the day before the spring game. So I hope it doesn't knock me on my butt too much for Saturday. But, you know, it was, I had not, I don't think I'd set foot in the Woody. I'd driven around it, but I don't think I'd set foot in the Woody since last March. So it was really good to be back out there, but safe. You know, they took our temperatures. You guys have been doing it the whole time. So this is not a big deal to you, but I didn't go to any games in the fall. And um, it was just, it was nice to watch some football and let your eyes tell you something, you know? So Emeka Buka was running with the twos. And if he's the number two slot guy behind Jackson Smith, the Jigba, we know Garrett can play the slot, but I wonder, right? I mean, if you're thinking about, well, how much are, if, William, if, if Fleming and Jamison Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr., right? In some way are the three like sort of backups an outside receiver. And then it's like, well, how much are those guys going to come off the field? Well, maybe Garrett moves to the slot and opens the position, you know, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, if he's the slot guy and Emeka Buka is the second slot guy. I mean, Jackson Smith, the Jigba is not on the same level as, as a lava and Wilson. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he'll get to play a little bit. So the guy's guys, a big time recruit and he was running with the twos. So Steven, it sounds like you did not have him. Cause I think you said you had five freshmen. You did not have him in your top 51, but I'm okay taking him here at, uh, at uh, 49. He is the one I am not upset if he was the one that ended up on our, on the list. Anyway, he was 52 for me. So he's like right outside of it. I just think he's in the slot. Like I thought he was going to be when he got here. I think if Jackson Smith, the jig was not in this, I, th I still think he's running with the twos, but he's the third string slot guy. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. If Jackson's not on the field, Garrett's in the slot. No, I think, I think, I think you're probably right. I think that probably makes sense. All right, Nathan, your last pick at number 50. This is one I'm basing it just off of a guy whose name kept coming up last year and this year. We're not going to, I don't think, get to see him play in 2021. Um, it sounds like, or at least not to start the year, but Mitchell Melton, um, more linebacker depth, but a guy that can help a team in, in multiple ways, those behind-the-scenes kind of ways. Um, I, it, he may just be – this is a rough time to be a linebacker and lose your spring and be injured for a while, I think, because there's a lot churning in that room right now. Younger guys kind of making a move. Um, but a guy that, again, just various coaches were bringing him up 
last fall, and we were hearing some good things this spring until he got hurt too. He was not in my top 51, but Steven, I get it. I think Nathan makes a good point. Yeah, he was in my top 51. I think he was – I think he would have made some moves this spring too had he not suffered whatever that injury is because it's not – he didn't have a brace on when we first saw him. He was just on crutches, so I think he would have been making some moves as well. All right, this is it. This is the last guy who's going to get in to our top 51 Ohio State football players here in our first rankings. Again, I think we'll do one sort of at the end because, it's you know, it's like after you learn more things. So we're not going to lo- – we're going to absorb August camp and then right before the start of the season, we'll do this again. Then we'll absorb the season. Maybe we'll do it at the bye, and then we'll absorb the rest of the season and we can do one again in January or something. And I think it'll be interesting – and we'll track this stuff. I'm not so sure that we shouldn't make a top 51 Ohio State players kind of page on cleveland.com slash OSU. And then we can just like previous ranking, you know, and like maybe maybe we can do something like that. And that it would be a very easy thing for people to find and say, well, this is what we think of these guys. And, and you know, we just haven't – if things have changed, we haven't done our rankings updates yet. But we'll take it all into consideration the next time we update them. So this will be, if we do that, this will be the last guy who's going to be on the list. Steven, who is it? Enoch Vamahi. Um, I think he flashed some things against Michigan State when he got an opportunity out there. Um, I think he's going to be a second string guy, especially now that uh, Max Ray is no longer here. I, I think the offensive line unit outside of the wide receivers, obviously, is just the deepest unit of guys who are just ready to go. And it, I think the rankings need to reflect that a little bit, but also he just flashed. And so I think he's perfect at number 51. He was actually number 47 on my list, but obviously has gone down to 51 because different picks. He was playing tackle too on, mm-hmm. uh, on Monday. So he's another guy who can play um, tackle or guard. He was the second string left tackle behind Fair Munford on Monday, at least when we saw him a little bit. So I also had him in my top 51. Uh, I had him at 49. So this makes a lot of sense to me. Nathan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, he, I had him in this range. There were some other guys that I had higher on my list, but I was talking myself out of taking them as it got farther along. And if, um, if Mitchell Melton hadn't been there to take, I might have jumped all the way down to Vamahi actually next on my list. Okay, that's our top 51. So I had made just a hard and fast 51. I, didn't, I don't know who my 52 is because I didn't go to 52. So there's four guys that I had in my top 51 that didn't get picked, but it's my number is 47, 48, 50, and 51. Like it's, my, it's practically the last four. Like we are in a lot of agreement here. Evan Pryor, I had in there, true freshman running back. Steel Chambers, I had in there in the group of running backs. Cameron Babb, I had in there just as a guy who has <laughs> suffered another injury, but seemed, I mean, the pictures you saw on him on social media, the guy was ripped. It seemed like he had been doing some stuff this spring. It was a little nod to like, man, if this guy was healthy, I think maybe we'd all have him in the top 50 because he might be making a move. It felt like maybe he was making a move and he's hurt. So it was a little bit of a nod. And then I put the punter in. Jesse Mirko, I had him at 51. So those are the four guys that I had that did not get ranked. Nathan, I know maybe you didn't have exact rankings. You had tiers. Who are the other guys that were in the mix for you that didn't make the top 51? Yeah, the next glut of guys, I had Chambers and Marcus Crowley. And then Jaden McKenzie actually had one spot ahead of Ty Hamilton as a guy who could be in that defensive tackle rotation and a guy whose name kind of gets sprinkled around in the background. Those were like the next guys on my untaken list. Steven, who else did you consider? 
Yeah, I went to 55 Cam Bab. I mean, he's always looked the part, right? It's just his body won't cooperate with him and allow him to get there. I saw those pictures. It's just, if his body ever cooperated, I think he would have been an impact player at Ohio State. Not saying he'd be Chris Olave, but I think he would have been an impact player here. I did have I, 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 I Evan Pryor. He was in that 52 to 55 range for me. And then you went Mirko. I went Jake Seibert. Seibert. Just because, I mean, he was pretty quality. You know, we saw it. He kicked in the I national mean, championship game. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I didn't know which way to go. We don't know much about him. But, you know, at some point, once we get into the season, if they are the starting punter, Mirko's the starting punter, and Seibert's the starting kicker, they will be in our top 51. I'm sure yeah. they will be. They'll be ahead of, like, third-string offensive linemen. We just haven't seen them yet. They're going to be the guys but like Seibert was 16 of 16 on extra points last year. Cause they did need him last year, mm-hmm. kind of unexpectedly with Blake Hobbill's injury, only one of two on field goals. So it's like the, you, they didn't, you know, they didn't really try him much. So little cautious and, you know, Jesse just got here from Australia, but he's going to be the punter for four years. So we'll have to see what's up, but um, I thought it's pretty good. Steven, I feel pretty good about this, this top 51. I think, we're all around, you know, I think we all kind of agree where the levels are. You know, again, I sort of drew my top guys at like top eight, top 10. My next line kind of came after like Marcus Williamson, who was my 26th guy, which was like the line of like, well, I'm pretty sure these guys are going to play. And then you get into a little, like, then you start ranking like, okay, well, how good are the backups and who might pop? Right. But I, it's interesting. I think again, there would have been a time where if we would have been doing this, like if we would have done this in 2015 coming off the national championship year, and it would have been like, Oh, uh, Michael Thomas is 11th. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it would have been, cause you'd have like, been okay well, with it. Cause it's like, like number one, Joey Bosa, <laughs> number two, Ezekiel Elliott, number three, like it just would have been ridiculous how deep they would have been. That's abnormal. You know, I think there are a lot of years that we ended up picking Jeremy Ruckert third, right, as the third best player. I do think there are a decent number of years where going into a season, the third best player on Ohio State might be better than Jeremy Ruckert level. No offense to Jeremy Ruckert, but it might be like, oh, well, they have four returning All-Americans. What are you talking about? Like, that's, you know, like, you know, like, that's not, that's not an insult. But I think that top, like, 12 there are a lot of guys who are like, well, they seem like they're pretty good, but like, I think they are good enough to be an All-American if they max out. And so when you start talking about Ruckert and Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith and Paris Johnson and Nicholas Petit-Frere and Seven Banks and Josh Proctor and guys like that, and then how good the quarterback's going to be, Nathan, there's a lot of potential that, I, it's, again, it's why we do this exercise, to get a feel for the roster. Two sure things, I think. Two locks. There's no doubt what Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are going to do. But another 10 guys who might be really good. Yeah, I think you could even go farther with, I mean, I think Munford and Petit Frere at this point probably deserve to be considered locks and Ruckert um, and, and, and probably even Haskell Garrett. I would go like pretty like six deep on guys that I think are probably locks for uh, now, depending on, you know, assuming Haskell Garrett doesn't have anything lingering from injury wise going into the season, but I think those those guys are a, a really strong foundation. And then what's really intriguing, it's almost like that next group of like four, five, six guys, right? Like your Harrison, Tyreek Smith, Paris Johnson, the quarterback, like whoever, like if those guys all start popping, then things get interesting. 
I think this was a very good you just brought a 15 that wouldn't have been a good mirror of what the recruiting rankings look like because there's probably 12 five stars and that's not normal at all and even 2019 probably we could have done this exercise as well but there's probably eight five stars and in a normal year there's 25 to 35 because it mirrors the 32 first round draft picks and so it'll go up and down and then there's like the four stars who are top 100 recruits and then there are the four stars who are like in the 300s there's a large there's probably three or four four stars who are top 100 guys and then a lot of four stars where like they're 300 guys like say a, a Craig Young he's a four star but in a recruiting world he might be the number 216th best player in the country and then we've got a couple three stars in here who are in the 50s yeah I think this could be a good post-spring football project for us to get like our rolling top 51 sort of on the site and we, if we lay this down now and then you know it's one of those things we can do it we could track it through a guy's whole career, you know, that like, hey, uh, um, you know, Jack Sawyer, previous rankings, you know, April 2021, Jack Sawyer was number 24. And then like by the time we are getting to like, oh, Jack Sawyer is about to be like the fourth pick in the draft and he's number one on this list. We'll look back and say, oh, look how he's moved up the 11 times we've ranked him in his Ohio State career. I think I think we might be onto something here. Um, all right. Thanks you guys for listening to that. That was fun. I think it was in, it, it was a good way to like sort of preview sort of like wrap up spring football practice and preview the spring game without getting worried about who's not here, who's heard, who's at what position. We will dig in more specifically to what we want to see from the spring game. That will be sort of your prep for the spring game. We'll do that in one of the next two podcasts this week, either on Thursday or Friday. So get ready for that. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Try the text at 614-350-3315. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.